1: Hello and welcome to Cinematic Universe, the podcast putting the bam, biff, and pow into fortnightly movie chat. I'm your host Joe Cunningham, and joining me are James Hunt and Reese Williamson. Producer Reese.
2: Hi, hello. It's a guestless episode, which means more of more of these dulcet turns.
1: Yeah, if you uh, listeners, if you want to hear more of Reese's work, you can listen to any of the like last month's worth of these episodes. Reece weaving his magic in the background. If you enjoy the episode and you
2: think, oh, this is good, let me tell you, it's it's it was terrible before I edited it. So i really done <laughs> really good my job. I've been do- actually doing a really good job. Uh,
1: today we will be discussing uh, 1966's Batman the Movie, uh, which I am just now learning was directed by Leslie H. Martinson. <laughs> But before (laughs) any of that, I would like to ask James to explain a comic book concept that I just don't understand. (laughs) Um, And so this week, James, apparently there is a character joining the Flash TV show called Mm -hmm. Impulse. Mm. Who is Impulse? Because I hear Impulse is interesting.
3: (laughs) Uh, It depends what you mean by interesting. (laughs) So, like, as part of the sort of canon of DC characters... They invented a whole bunch of like young versions of superheroes to to be in. What was kind of a new version of the Teen Titans, except they were called Young Justice, and so it was like all the, a bunch
1: of kid psychics. The Tween Titans.
3: Yeah, let's say. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, this was in the early '90s. It was 1994, I think. Um, but so they invented. Impulse to be like a kid version of the Flash, and he was huh. uh, Barry Allen's grandson, and had the same powers as every other version of the Flash. He did later become the Flash for a very short amount of time, but I think I think he only became the Flash because they knew they wanted to kill him off. <laughs> Although you know, in comic book tradition, he is now alive again.
1: And so, is is he from the future, or is is he is his timeline just when Barry is old, or what's the deal?
3: Uh- uh, we've hit the limits of my understanding of DC
1: Comics. <laughs>
3: Definitely, there was a version of him who was from the future, um, but that version died and was replaced by the other version of him.
1: So, Right, okay. There's a, what I'm learning is there's lots of versions of The Flash. Yeah, yeah. And, if, and, and probably if there's any character where you're going to borrow from different dimensions and futures and pasts, that's that's the one that you're going to get the most variations of. Yeah,
3: I mean, it's kind of a problem because there was this event called Zero Hour, which changed all of the continuity anyway. Um, so Bart Allen showed up before Zero Hour and then was different after Zero Hour. So I don't know what's real and what's fake with him.
1: Oh, wait, he is Bart Allen? Yeah, yeah. Okay. and so And then there's also... There's Jesse Quick, who I remember was on the Flash show when I was watching it. There was Wally West as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, Barry Allen,
3: the... the main Flash. Jay there Garrick, th- the Golden Age Flash.
1: Yes. Yeah. He was the guy with the tin hat, right? Yep. That's yeah. the one. Who was played by original uh, John Wesley Shipp on the TV show. Yeah. and they
3: so all p- They all have the power that they can run really, like, totally fast. Joe is so fast, so really, really fast. Yeah, they are but, all the fastest one alive.
2: Are they as fast as
1: Batman? Because we never found out. I've seen that happen <laughs> twice now and I still don't know the answer. Yeah,
2: yeah.
1: <laughs> I um, I haven't watched a, an Arrowverse show for such a long time. And it's nice when we get Caroline on the podcast and I'm like, so what's happening now? She still watches all of them. And, you know, it sounds like they're still doing pretty good stuff. But like, I loved The Flash for the first season. Mm. And kind of like re- there was a lot of stuff that you know I still I think I think I might have watched it through to the end of season four and was kind of enjoying it at, 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 in spite of how unwieldy it was getting um but man that first season was so good like that was that was uh, as good a you know I've like a, as good a single season of superior television as I can really think yeah. of in the past, I mean I in the past I decade.
3: felt I felt similar about Supergirl, which is that I really enjoyed the first season and then it sort of, just as it was finding its feet, Callista Flockhart left and then suddenly it, you know, they just crammed a whole bunch more characters in to try and fill that gap. And the more entangled it got with the rest of the the Arrowverse, the more I just went, "Eh, you know what, I just, Mm -hmm. I don't have time for it.
1: The thing I always, uh, I'm, I'm sure I've said, James. This that's what people say before. about
2: comic
3: books. though. Like what you've just described.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Totally. I'm like
1: Ah, this, this is too much. <laughs> I don't have time for this. <laughs> I always, I always struggle with on those kind of shows, and I, I like, and this goes back to Buffy, where you've got this like this one kind of central, really, you know, like the the badass kind of supernatural character at the center of it, and then. Mm-hmm. And you have an increasing but, number of yeah yeah slowly but surely you introduce new people who also have superpowers or abilities and then the ones that didn't who were normal now now this one's a witch or now <laughs> Suddenly, this one Jimmy got...
3: Olsen's running around in a suit of armor <laughs> yeah and they all did it
1: but like from the outside in and you know I actually because of the episode we're doing today I watched my first uh, like it it was a full ten seconds of the Arrowverse that I watched today. Uh, Because I watched Burt Ward's cameo in Crisis on Infinite Earths. Um, (laughs) And I was thinking, do you know what? Like, yes, it probably wasn't for me on the individual shows, but like hearing all of the. Every time I hear something else that happened in Crisis on Infinite Earths, I'm like, I should watch that crossover because it sounds nuts and fun and. (laughs)
3: <laughs> Nets and fun together at last.
1: <laughs> they're, they're probably characters in Legends of Tomorrow. <laughs> 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 so, um, and, and, and yeah, so I guess if their if their attitude to it is just let's keep throwing superheroes into this thing, then great because it seems to be working for them. Do um, you think? And that, and that thing's still going. Mm-hmm. That whole universe <laughs> is still going and getting bigger. Do you guys think that that you know now we, we're now at a
2: point where we've got they're doing Superman not just in the universe but he has his own show. Batwoman is pretty close, you know, pretty close to Batman. Even if Arrow was close-ish to Batman ten years ago, plus you've got all the there's Greg Rolante's doing like a Green Lantern show for HBO Max, right? Um, I was just wonder how, you know, do you think in five years there will still be, you know, Arrowverse shows on the CW with the, that are in this this continuity?
3: I'm not, I'm not so sure. It seems it seems like it's going to keep going, doesn't it?
1: I don't, it just uh, I, from the from the outside, I guess if they if they're still making new shows. And it seems like they're not they're not as particular now about
3: <laughs> not about, letting Batman or Superman show up, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. That there aren't really any limits on I mean I'm sure there still are, but there aren't doesn't seem to be as many limits on what they can and can't do. Um, and it, you know, it might it might open avenues for them as well. I'm sure that, you know, if carrots are successful there or they see that something works, then that might be something they start exploring on the big screen. And you know they let they 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 let um, Ezra Miller turn up and do his cameo, didn't they? So, yeah, maybe. Um, I hope so. It's nice. It's got an audience. <laughs> it's nice. I mean, I don't watch it,
2: but uh, it's nice that it exists. Not for me, but no. <laughs> oh, well, it's
1: not it's not for me because it got too big and unwieldy, and there's too many shows, and I can't I couldn't keep up, and I'm not the kind of person that would just be watching like a third of it. I'd need to be watching all of it. <laughs> so that that was my problem with it all. Um, okay, I feel like I fully understand the impulse now. So let's move (laughs) on (laughs) to this week's comic book movie and TV news. And, um, well, we got a bunch of trailers. Um, I, I think you guys, I think tentatively studios are hoping that they're going to be able to release all of their movies this year.
3: (laughs) It's going to be a lot of movies. (laughs) Yeah,
1: it is. Um, there's, there's a, a, a whole, whole bunch of stuff on the slate and, um, one of the movies that's coming up this year Hasn't just released one trailer since we last recorded It's released two um, The Suicide Squad James Gunn's The Suicide Squad um, Debuted a, a, a trailer online and then a like Theatrical version of the trailer um, A few days later for April Fool's Day um, And you know we'd, al- we'd already had A bit of a tease when we stepped inside the fandom last year for The Suicide Squad <laughs> uh, But it's looking like It's um it's all finished, the effects are done, it's ready to come out, and um, Sylvester Sloan has gone in and recorded his King Shark dialogue, so that's great. Um, what did you guys think for, uh, to, to these they're similar trailers, but what did, what did you think to the, the overall vibe of the Suicide Squad?
3: I was surprised to see Harley Quinn back.
1: Oh, what you but you. You knew she was in it, right?
3: Yeah, but I assumed this being the film it is, she would be in it for like three minutes and then they would make a joke about how she wasn't in it and it like seems like she's just a character in the film.
1: It seems like she's a core member of the team, but also I, I do wonder how much the trailer is wrong footing us. Yeah, or trying to obscure.
2: So
3: why do
1: you, you know?
2: why do you guys think she's not in the movie? Have I have I missed something? I don't.
1: <laughs>
3: oh no! I knew she was in it. I just I assumed after the shit show that was the last one. They'd be like, "Well, she'll show up for contractual reasons," but we've overhauled it so much that she's not going to be a main star. Like, why would you give Margot Robbie to James Gunn? Dunno. See, i
1: I thought the I thought the complete flip of that. I thought the the surprising element here and the refreshing element was that she was there as a member of the ensemble, but the entire movie wasn't being sold on her back. It wasn't. Mm-hmm they weren't trying to just carry this thing on the strength of her charisma. Like, she has, like, two great moments in that trailer, but so does John Cena, and so does Idris Elba, and so does (laughs) David Dalmatian, you know? Like, it it seems like it it truly is an ensemble this time around, and, you know, looking at it right now, I'd struggle to tell you who's going to be the breakout character there, because they just like a lot of those characters hit in that very short trailer even like Rip Flag right who Joel Kinnaman I couldn't I couldn't give you any <laughs> any description of his character in the uh, the David Ayer movie nah. and in this in this even just down to the costuming he he has a you know a much more striking look and you know he still looks like he is pretty you know he's like the you know the straight down the line leader of the team, um, but you know it has some presence in this trailer. I was like, "Oh, Joel Kinnaman, yeah, this, yeah, great." And <laughs> he is actually back here. A good, a good addition to this cast. Um, and you know, you look, you look at what they've got all together there. They've got, you know, they're bringing back, you know, an Oscar winner and Viola Davis, who looks like she's, she, you know, I think that she, alongside Will Smith and Margot Robbie, were was one of the few people who escaped from that first movie unscathed yeah um you've got a couple of well you've got you've got jai courtney coming back from the first film but if he's not dead in the first 15 minutes uh. this, tra- this trailer has really wrong-footed me because uh. it, it seems like he walks in looking australian and uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then that's that's about all that we see from him um yeah, I, I just... I, I, I thought this trailer was really great. Like, it just sold the vibe. Um, and doesn't just look like James Gunn doing Guardians of the Galaxy shtick for The Suicide Squad. It seems like he, he gets what the separate appeal of this is. And and has a load of movie stars who he's letting, he's letting loose and do the things that they're really good at. Like, I thought that, like really hit and miss with idris elba because i think idris elba is a great actor but there's so many things he turns up in that i'm like for someone as good as i know you can be how do you how do you make such a little of an impact in so many movies
3: <laughs> we've not covered ghostwriter 2 have we
1: <laughs> he's, he's in ghostwriter 2 i <laughs> forgot he was in it james <laughs> yeah
3: what? doing a french accent
1: what oh god yeah
3: wow yeah. <laughs> one, day, one day, one day, one
1: day, one <laughs> I remember seeing the trailer for that film and thought, thinking, "This looks great." Ghost Rider's pissing fire. What's not to like? <laughs> Nick Ca- Nick Cage is back, and this time he's pissing fire. And then I wa- <laughs> I watched the movie, and aside from one really weird scene with um, Nick Cage making reference to bees, that that's a slog. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, do you know what I mean? The line in this in this trailer where Idris Elba's kicking back, in as they get in the briefing, and he's like, "Jesus Christ." Who are these people that I'm with here? Yeah. And then John Cena, just uh, like I love John Cena. I the, the 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 dick sucking line in the first trailer, and then the then the uh, peace right? Yeah, the, the peace, peace line, line, I would, line. I would line I would man. I would murder. To what? I, I, there's no <laughs> no 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 limit of men, women, and children. I'd murder to achieve peace. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's I, I think basically the one. The one in the first trailers, I don't know whether it's maybe even an alternate cut of that. He's like, "I would suck every dick on this beach if, I... <laughs> if it would mean achieving our mission." Um, yeah, I'm sold. Are you? Are you guys as high as I am on this? No. <laughs> Why? <laughs> Why not?
2: It just for me the tra- All the trailers felt like ever so slightly tryhardy. I think I was going to use a phrase that they felt like weirdly both. You know what a suicide sequel, what a suicide squad sequel would try to be, uh, and also what a James Gunn movie was. You know that, that 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 the humor and the and the and the look of it, the colors, um, and in a way, I I sort of worry that what if you know the the James Gunn thing, the reason that he's making this is because he makes Guardians, and it's such a it's such a um, breath of fresh air, it's so different to what you expect. But but the problem now is that we do expect it, and so he comes in doing his thing and it's it's oh okay yeah i was i was expecting
3: that yeah i was gonna say my my big concern about this movie is that it's like hey it's james gunn but he can do even more of whatever he wants and you're like
1: yeah is that that gonna
3: result in a lot of bad taste jokes that i don't really want to see like i don't know
1: yeah i i I, and i've had that sense from you know james gunn movies prior to Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, quite. So like sometimes you're just like ah this this guy maybe does need reigning in a little yeah. bit.
3: Yeah. And Michael Rook is in it and we've got a shark with arms. And I'm like yeah, okay.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Okay. <laughs> yeah, I
2: mean you I... can see a scenario where he gets kicked off got he gets kicked out of the MCU house and DC Sort of go to him and they say, "We'll you can do whatever you want, and we'll give you a big budget." And and that isn't what a filmmaker like him needs. And he yeah, and the, the result is 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 a worse film than than even the first, than even Guardians Two, which I I, I don't I don't like Guardians Two much at all. Um, I also think Idris Elba has has not has not been good in any film. And bad <laughs> and makes bad true. choices, and all of us. No name name a film apart from Molly's Game that he is in he is good in.
1: Oh, well, you've just taken one off the board straight away.
2: <laughs> name a second. Sa- name a second one.
1: Oh, I don't know. I've got. To look I think at his he's IMDb. bad. I think
2: he's. I think he was great in the wire, and he's okay on Luther. I think he is bad in films and makes bad choices. And, what do you uh, think about
3: his DJing though?
2: Perfect. He's a, my go-to uh, every Friday night. I'm just right there on the on the on the <laughs> Um And he's in he's in this trailer. He's in the trailers quite a lot. Uh, my only the, the only thing I would I took away from it the really positive thing was oh th- I think this is probably. Uh, the best, Margot Robbie. This this is the this is the, James Gunn might be perfect to write Harley to write this Harley mm, Quinn. Mm. I thought I, every line she did, every line she had, I thought was great and really funny. And she's doing the movie. She's doing the incredible performance that she's been doing for you know for two two films. So that was the really good spot. But I um, yeah I was not I was disappointed by the trailer. Trailers.
1: I'm a, I'm fine with any amount of Margot Robbie that that movie decides it it wants to give us. Like if she's a, if she's a cameo in two or three scenes. That's fine if she's a core member of the team all the way through the film. That's fine because she's great. But you know, I'm sure that yeah, I, I think there, I think there even was a sense with Birds of Prey that like, oh, this is this is a bit too much of that character already. Um, yeah. Especially well, especially when they well, well they, they actually retitled the movie, didn't they? While it was still in mm. cinemas to <laughs> refocus it on her. So maybe maybe I'm completely wrong. Maybe it wasn't focused on her enough. Um, Okay, so uh, we're split on Jupiter. Uh, bleh, we're split on, <laughs> uh, split on the Suicide Squad. Let's move over to Jupiter's Legacy, <laughs> um, which is the new Netflix show um, from a Mark Miller comic. And um, Pete behind the curtain, we've been debating. You know how much of a big deal this might be. Is it something that we're going to want to cover on the on the show? Cover on the Patreon feed? Is it? You know, is Jupiter's Legacy going to be a big deal? Um, I would say that after watching, you know, two and a half minute, minutes of footage in this trailer, it's uh, it's maybe less likely that we cover <laughs> <for> it <a> significantly <laughs> on the show because this this thing looks pretty bad. <laughs> yeah,
3: it's weird, isn't it? Because you would think Netflix will be very keen to find their own like solid superhero property, like you know, The Boys or something that could that could beat that.
1: Well, they own, they bought. Is it Miller they World? Miller World yeah. yeah, yeah. So like Netflix literally owns Miller World now. So yeah, you would think that this first big Mark Miller property, there's probably a lot riding on. Um, but you know, we're we're a month we're a month out now from it debuting, and this is like the first the first proper look. But I, you know, it's not unusual for Netflix. I'm sure this is pretty standard for there. Yeah. Their promotional cycle but you know you see it today and you're not you're not going oh my god i can't count down the days until that debuts
3: yeah it,
2: just doesn't, it, even, it doesn't look like anything it doesn't it, it it doesn't look like it's got a sort of cynical boysy take on on superheroes you know but it but it's sort of it's a bit gritty the the palette of it but again it doesn't have that that element it doesn't look fun you got the, you know, the Josh. You know, all, I'm sure he's a lovely human being, but I kind of feel like if your main character is played by Josh D- Duhamel, uh maybe this is a, maybe this is bad. <laughs> if that's who you could get, you know, you you've got Netflix money. You can get you can get who you want with Netflix money, and your main guy is is him, who is like the second lead of that Las Vegas show for ten years. Like, that's the best you can do. That that's that's a worry. You know, that's a worry.
1: I I I like Josh Duhamel generally. Uh, Leslie Bibb is the other parent in, in this. Um, mm. That was that was less the problem for me. Um, so I mean, to set this to set this up slightly, uh, the the logline is: the first generation of superheroes have kept the world safe for nearly a century. Now their children must continue their legendary ideals. They're the first generation of superheroes, but as they pass the torch to their children, tensions are rising, and the old rules no longer apply. It's basically so,
3: Mark Miller doing Kingdom Come.
1: Right, yeah, okay, so that's that's what I was going to ask, because that normally tends to be, like, Mark Miller's like, what what if this, but a bit more dark and twisted yeah. uh, and cynical. Um, and, yeah, so you've, you've got the old superheroes, you've got the new ones. I, I You know, there's a nugget there of something interesting, of the types of heroes that were idolised decades ago aren't necessarily fit for the for the modern world and yeah and it's,
3: le- it's done in a very interesting way in kingdom come <laughs> <laughs>
1: and then you, yeah and so you've got the you've got the kids going all right well if we need to do this how do we grapple with that legacy and do we necessarily want to but you know watching this trailer it just looks like the i don't know the kid that the kids presumably are the ones that are going to have to actually carry this show and they just seem so anonymous hmm. like this is if if this was back in the old network tv days this is something that i'd imagine like the cw would pass on and it would <laughs> it would it would end up on some obs- <laughs> yeah like uh, this feels like krypton level to me mm. it's
3: reminding me of like no ordinary hero or um the cape the just cape. like budget yeah. serial Brutal numbers filed takedown, off James. superheroes. Brutal takedown. <laughs>
2: it's got real, the cape energy to it. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Cancel it now. Don't even put it out. That's the, that's the end of that show.
3: <laughs> the thing is, like, it's, it's got Steven DeKnight involved and he did like a really good Daredevil series and he worked on uh, Angel, I think it was. So it's not like there's a bad pedigree here. It's just that... No, but he left, he left the show out of creative differences. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Yeah. So, so there you go. Then maybe that tells. Maybe that. Maybe that tells you what you need
3: to
1: know. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. So um, uh, it, who knows? I think we're, we'll probably all give the show a sample when it when it turns up.
3: Yeah, because we've all got Netflix, right?
1: All it's going to yeah. cost is our time. Yeah. <laughs> Which, I mean, I'm not holding out too much hope. Um. Hey, let's talk about a TV show that I'm, I'm, I'm holding out all of the hope for. It's, uh, it's our good old pal Loki yeah. over on
3: Disney+. Plus. Yeah, it's not our pal Loki, it's a different Loki. <laughs> oh yeah,
1: that is true.
3: <laughs> it's a different Loki who hasn't had all the character development of the Loki you like.
1: Oh uh, no, but wait, which was my favourite Loki? I think it was Avengers Loki. <laughs> I mean, that's my favourite Loki. Yeah, fair. Um, and, and that's him. And that, do you know what? It... Did he have a lot of character development after that?
3: Yeah, he turned into a good guy And then he sacrificed Eton, himself
1: He said, "Is a good guy right at the end He's always mm. been a good guy he's What just are you always... talking
3: about? He's literally the villain of Avengers
1: Yeah, I know, but he's always in like in the literally. first Literally In the first Thor movie, he's just misunderstood He's just sad that his daddy, he thinks his daddy didn't love him And he finds out that there was some Jesus adopted And there's a frost giant And it... <sighs> It was always in there, James. It, it. <laughs> someone just needed to find a, you know, a way to find it. Um, maybe this show is gonna unite the Lokis as well. You know, mm-hmm. maybe it will. It will kind of.
3: Well, it's gonna. You know, it's they, gonna have Loki gonna meeting timeline, meeting his dead self.
1: Uh, no, it's gonna have Loki kind of uh combining with his character Mm -hmm. development. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Let's talk about this trailer. Yeah, let's talk about the actual trailer. Really fucking good. Here's the first thing that I like, right? Instead of Loki's co-stars being... The twelfth lead in Captain Marvel and the fourteenth lead in Avengers: Age of Ultron. They've or got Josh, or, or Josh DeMel. <laughs> or Josh yes, DeMel. We have. <laughs> they've they've gone. Oh, shall we cast Owen Wilson and Gugu and Bafarau, who yes. are yeah. who are great. <laughs> we no. know Richard E. Grant's going to be in this as well, so that's fun. Um, and it's Loki messing around in time and. The, the the central conflicts in this trailer, although I'm sure this will be broadly from the pilot rather than the full series, seems to be Loki and bureaucracy. Mm-hmm. Um I got, I, real, I, just, I got real Brazil vibes
2: from the trailer. Uh, someone yeah, someone
1: mentioned attention. um Jupiter's Ascending um <laughs> on a WhatsApp channel I was on and I was like, Oh yeah, yeah, that that scene there's there's a great bureaucracy scene mm. in Jupiter Ascending, if anyone's seen that. Um and yeah, I, I thought this was so fun—the idea mm. of this this authority who is policing time, who should be badass time cops, and in in fact are actually like, no, yes. <laughs> we need to do the paperwork, yeah. and like it just yeah, it's funny putting the god of mischief into yeah. that scenario, yeah, 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 and yeah. and and I think it's also you know the kind of stuff that we saw in those later MCU movie appearances from Loki where it's fun to take that character outside of his comfort zone this guy who is a trickster that's always one step ahead and go actually let's let's take that away from you like let's have you cowering in fear next to a hulk right let's hmm. or let's let's have everyone kind of wise to your tricks and hmm. it just you know and that and that extends as far as the death scene with thanos right it's like, yeah, no, the, the, your, your rope has run out with this kind of stuff. So whilst this isn't the Loki with a massive amount of character development, I kind of it kind of does feel to me like where we'd got to with this character in mm. the MCU. So it, watching this trailer, I, I don't feel wildly worried that, oh, we've lost the past three, four movies of that character. Because, mm. yeah, like I said, I do genuinely think like the whole vibe with the MCU Loki is... He's not that bad. He's just kind of a bit of a dick who's acting out.
3: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was being flip. I, I'm yeah. very happy to see Tom Hiddleston <laughs> back, and you know, while I think it is a confusing choice, I I don't think it's going to matter long term. Um,
1: we should also say we're recording this episode. We we've still only seen the first three episodes of Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Um, but that's a show that I think it's fair to say. James we are Luke def- on uh, the, the reason I bring that up though in relation to Loki is um, I think one of the frustrations with um, Falcon and Winter Soldier for me so far anyway has been like it feels like this show has to resell me on the idea of well, no, not resell me, sell me to begin with on the idea of these two characters being interesting enough to carry a series and these two characters mm. being charismatic and having a thing and having something that is like, that's compelling about their relationship. Like, And so three episodes in, I'm like, you need to convince me scene to scene mm. that the characters I'm watching are worthy of my time here. And I see that Loki trailer and I'm like, oh yeah, it is... Tom Hiddleston, whose breakout role was this. Mm. We know he's great at it. We know it's kind of effortless. And you're throwing him into a scenario that looks super fun. The idea seems weird and mm. quirky and genre-y the same way that WandaVision was. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, you don't... There's, no, there's no, You don't need to sell me on a Loki TV show starring Tom Hiddleston. Um and then you, also, you know, yeah, yeah. and then you see just in this trailer. Here is a brand new character played by Owen Wilson, and straight away I'm going, "Yeah, Owen Wilson's shtick works in the MCU. Mm-hmm. His banter works with their style of humor." And straight away I'm going, "If this is a series where I followed those two characters as a pair for six episodes, I'm in." And I've not, and I've only just met him.
2: Yeah,
1: I know. I also think, you know, there do, there there doesn't need there
2: didn't need to be more Loki Hiddleston. And Hiddleston mm. doesn't didn't need to come back for this for this at all. So whereas you know whereas I think with Mackin and 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 Stan there they did feel like that they they did would would want to come back for more. Whereas this this doesn't need to exist. So probably hopefully because it does, it suggests that there's there is something there is something really good here. That the
1: there's, a, there's a take and someone's coming yeah. with a pitch that yeah. works and we've gone, right. Yeah. And the Lester. pitch is
2: t- Tom Hiddleston is Doctor Who and also <laughs> we have ten times the budget of every single Doctor Who episode every episode. <laughs> fine, uh, sh- fine. I, sh-
1: I, sh- I am contractually obligated to point out here that Tom Hiddleston is too sexy to play Doctor Who. <laughs> Carry on. The,
3: the thing I like about the show is that like, one division was really sort of inventive and like genre busting and... Falcon and the Winter Soldier feels like it's the MCU trying to do the type of show that I wouldn't have watched anyway. Like a kind of procedural, Mm. you know, homeland style. We're going to stop terrorism, but one guy flies and the other guy has a robot arm. One guy flies, like, not that much. Like, yeah, not in, not, in, two scenes. <laughs> not in this episode, but he does fly usually. He can fly. He can fly. He chooses not to. <laughs> wow, um, that, you, how, how 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 much fun are we having?
2: <laughs> he can fly. No, not today. No, yeah. that's too much today. He can fly,
3: though. But um, this this looks like the type of show that even if it didn't star Loki, I would be like, that looks like a lot of fun. I'm going to watch that. The the scene where they're making him sign the paperwork oh. of oh,
2: that's a good joke, everything yeah.
3: he's ever said and then he says something and they print it out and put it on top. Yeah.
2: Funny. Like
3: yeah. that's uh, any scene that's kind of Douglas Adams like hmm. ridiculous bureaucracy, you know, Kafka esque satire. Hmm. I'm I'm down for it regardless of
1: whether it's MCU or not. Now I've got an important question for you. Do you think Loki's going to introduce the multiverse?
3: (laughs) Listen, we see a multiverse on that goddamn screen, right? Yeah, kind of. (laughs) We see branching timelines. Maybe that'll count, maybe not.
1: I don't know. I've been burned before, James. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> this this was another one of the shows that was cited as leading into Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. So yeah. maybe I don't expect Loki to show up in that. Do you? Um, here's another question. We can uh, just throw this out as a prediction right now. Do you think that this is Tom Hiddleston's um, MCU Swa- swan, swan song Tongue. in yeah. the same way that we are expecting Black Widow will be for for Black Widow?
3: I I almost hope so. I don't know. There's no point where you couldn't bring that character back, and I wouldn't be happy. So I almost don't mind if it is or if it isn't.
1: I I love the idea of this series potentially having different loki's in it. I know that that's been a rumor that maybe Rich D Grant is playing a version of Loki, mm-hmm. and I know we've we we. We had talked about, I think, back in our Thor Ragnarok episode, that it felt like the the Loki arc was approaching, was approaching the point where you could do some like kid Loki kind of stuff with it, mm-hmm. and um, that would tie
3: into Young Avengers. Kid Loki was a prominent member of the the second Young Avengers team, yeah. so.
1: And I, I and you know I, this is this is my prediction based on very little is that. We will get a season two of Loki, but it won't star Tom Hiddleston. It will star someone else.
2: It won't star like him, just like with trainers on his knee, on his knees. <laughs> be or him de-aged, you know, because they do de- him de de-age, but de-aged to like twelve.
3: <laughs> well, in the in the comics, in the comics, kid Loki has a crow called Icall, which is like the old version of Loki. So you can have you can have Tom Hiddleston come back to voice a crow. I
2: feel like you. I feel like you get Hiddleston back once to be like you're the star of this show. You don't. You don't then say and for season two you voice a crow. <laughs> right, I think he's probably done. <laughs> <laughs>
1: okay, so Loki looks great, and that's good news because that is the Disney Plus show that is coming up after um, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Um, that's the end of our trailer chat. But um, a couple of things to talk about very quickly. Um, it seemed like. Um, everything we talked about on our last main episode got contradicted, uh, by breaking news in the like 40 hours that followed, uh, us recording the podcast and releasing it. Um, one of those things was, I think literally as we were recording, they announced that Pierce Brosnan was joining the cast of Black Adam, um, a movie which we have since found out. Um, when uh, Dwayne Johnson's uh, social media feeds were employed, I'm sure, to a lot of expense from DC. (laughs) Um, That movie um, will be released on the 29th of July, 2022, which is next year Um, for anyone struggling to keep up with the years. um, (laughs) Dates are meaningless now, but that's when it's supposed to come out. Um, They did a big... uh, a big takeover during i think it was like one of the ad breaks of March Madness to announce this um, and the rock seems hyped about it uh, but yeah i'm i'm more hyped about the the Pierce Brosnan casting he's going to be playing Dr Fate um, which james i feel like my kind of my my s- small amount of knowledge on, on Dr Fate is that he's he's kind of a big deal dc wise
3: yeah um He's he's like a, a pulp superhero sorcerer type character. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he's, he's been around. Strange, right? he's yeah, Doctor yeah, Strange. he's DC Doctor with, Strange with a really helmet. Funny. He was a founding member of the JSA. Like, it's a it's a reasonably big deal. He's the kind of character who could carry his own film.
1: And but is he traditionally Pierce Brosnan aged?
3: Uh, you mean twenty five? Yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> I mean, not. I would say not as old as Pierce Brosnan is now.
1: Pierce Brosnan, who by the way is looking fantastically old, and by that I mean <laughs> he's looking old and fantastic. Like, did you guys watch? Did you guys watch Eurovision? No. no. I spent the majority of that movie just wanting to stroke his beard. <laughs>
4: <laughs> he's,
1: he, he's got a fair he, hes hes aging very handsomely. Um, but is this—is this a
2: bad time to tell you that I, James? Correct me if I'm wrong, but Doctor Fate in the comics, his costume has a helmet that covers his entire face. All the <laughs> yeah, time. yeah, but yeah, but Reese, what
1: if his what if his beard is just wisping out of the bottom? Oh, incredible! Or he, he, sort yeah, of, yeah. he can't
2: even put his helmet on because his beard is so his big. beard is so lush. Yeah. I love it. yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> uh, so I'm I'm uh, I'm excited about Brosnan kind of returning to big budget movies. Um, so this is a James Bond, of course, in a in a well, I was going to say in a DC villain role, but I guess really he's probably going to be heading up the say JSA. Who are going to be? It's like,
3: more likely he's the but, hero and Black Adam's the villain, right?
1: Yeah, mm. but for, but from a flipped perspective,
3: yeah, which is fun. I'm looking forward to the movie. Yeah. Absolutely, more than anything else DC's got on the go at the, at the moment.
1: More than um, the DC stuff we talked about five minutes ago that I've already forgotten. Did we talk about Su-
3: Suicide That's... Squad, Joe. Yeah,
1: Suicide Squad. The Suicide Squad. <laughs> that one. You're more excited about this? Yeah, because
3: I, I love a rock movie.
2: <laughs> well, I, I'm really excited about the um, Ava DuVernay New Gods movie and also James Wan's The Trench <laughs> film. For me, those are <laughs> those are my top two upcoming DC films I'm very excited about. We got is... some news, some more news. What? <laughs> what is the news? It's
1: coming out next week. <laughs> so, Reese, I had to break this to you. Look, no one was as excited as me about the trench. <laughs> I watched Aquaman. I liked it. I was like, "All oh, that trench is creepy." <laughs> and thought, then you know str-
3: that eight seconds of footage you see in <laughs> the trench. I'd Look, love you're a movie being of that.
1: No listen, that trench. Listen, listen, you're being sarcastic. <laughs> I'm not. I thought that <laughs> I thought that the I thought the trench was genuinely creepy, and I was like, "Oh, that's a that's a really fun weird idea of let's just do a like a, a like James Wan has done with his um, conjuring Annabelle nuns, you know, let's spin off anything that turns up for five seconds in a movie, sure. um, like they." <laughs> They're generally pretty good, and I kind of liked the idea of doing that with a superhero movie, of going, when we made this, we actually thought, oh, there's, there's some really fun stuff you could do there, and let's just do a horror movie in the middle of the uh, of the DC Universe. Um, I was on board for it. Um, I and you're think still on board, seemed...
2: it's still coming out, and we're all set for it, right? <laughs> yeah, nice. No, so say, so say, th-
1: say the news, say the news. <laughs> so The Trench and New Gods have both been cancelled. Um, or, or I think the way that DC described it was that both of they they weren't moving forward with both of the projects, but that they were kind of like it sounded like they were like saying, "But if we ever do do them, <laughs> it will be with James Wan or it will be with Ava Duvernay. Duvernay. Mm. We're not gonna put them on the scrap heap and then pick them up with someone else." and basically said that they didn't want to keep like stringing. but like, i think they said there wasn't space in their upcoming schedule for them so, uh, so they just went well like we're going to tell you guys it's not happening so you can go off and do other stuff and if at some point in the future we decide we're going to do it which they're not
3: which they're but not yeah <laughs> yeah
1: if at some point in the future they decide they're decide they going to do it they'll call them back up i've got to say um,
3: that that trench movie had the vibes to me of do you do you know john ottman
1: no, he was. the like the name rings a bell?
3: John Ottman was the composer and an edit. He's a composer and an editor on the X Men movies, and okay. the studio let him write a solo Beast movie. <laughs> what? Yeah, okay. he he wrote a full Beast X Men movie, and they were like, "Yeah, sure, you know, do the draft, pitch it." There's no zero chance of that ever happening.
1: Was yeah. that in the period where they were they were thinking that Origins was going to be a? was going to be like a, a franchise. Because they had yeah, X-Men Origins I th- well, Wolverine, I think it was, X-Men I th- Origins Magneto was lined up next to it, and I then think Wolverine it was, post- was bad. And it was post-first
3: it. class that he wrote it, I think. But
1: um, Oh, okay.
3: It just it struck me as the kind of thing where the studio says, yeah, you can do it, just don't talk about it too much. I just <sighs> but- I had zero faith that Trench movie was ever happening in anyone's mind except James Wan's.
1: But still, it it was James Wan, and that was the reason why it felt like it might move forward. And then Ava DuVernay, like it did, it did really feel like when they brought her in, because you know she talked about in the past having been brought in by Marvel and was talking about doing something for them. Was it Captain Marvel? Maybe she was brought in for.
3: I can't remember
1: to be honest. Quite, yeah, uh, and basically deciding that she, you know, she didn't want to work within the creative restrictions that they had. Um, and then that she'd been sent over to DC for this New Gods idea Um, it was kind of a you know, I think it, I think these movies were announced back in like 2018 maybe so probably right around when Ava DuVernay's star was peaking, although you know I don't think she's ever going to be an anonymous filmmaker Um, but yeah that was New Gods Ava DuVernay I know New Gods doesn't sound like an interesting idea on paper but If you announce you're making an Ava DuVernay movie, that that was the one of the two that I thought, oh, you probably follow through with that because you've got her in-house.
3: Yeah. And they had Tom Tom King King. writing it, yeah. 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 Mm. Former CIA analyst Tom King.
1: (laughs) But that was relevant, right, because he... Because he's a
3: DC writer. He wrote uh, Batman and a bunch of other comics.
1: Yeah, but isn't, isn't the, wasn't, wasn't he announced Mr. just Miracle? after he'd done yeah. the Mr. Miracle series yeah. and Mr. Miracle is one of the new gods?
3: Ah, look at you, Jay. You don't even need me anymore. <laughs> <laughs> James, keep um, <leave> the zoom. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, here's... Can I just pitch it... You know, I'm just trying to think... I'm just thinking... So this has been cancelled and this had a lot of new, you know, the new gods, new gods characters. Just thinking, is there any recent project which <laughs> perhaps was setting up some future new gods content <laughs> in a an, an aborted future sequel, but what if that sequel weren't to be quite so aborted, and that's why they cancelled the New Gods film?
1: Is that is this dark side stuff?
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. Just a just a crazy, just a crazy. Yeah. Uh, we
1: should we, we should also friend. in in re, in relation to the Snyder Cut, there is a you know I think that this landed particularly badly on Twitter, where a lot of people went, "Hang on, so you gave." The white dude seventy million dollars to finish <laughs> a movie that was already released and was yeah. bad, and then you've taken the pro- projects off the slate from an Asian American and an African American filmmaker
4: mm.
1: for their for you know for their original content for stuff that we haven't seen before. Um, I don't necessarily think that you know any of this is a result of the Snyder Cut in terms of you know they spent the money on the Snyder cut instead of making the trench or instead of making new gods. Um, but it's a bad luck. It's a bad <laughs> luck. And you know, um, I, I, I don't think we want to get too into it because I'm not sure we're too qualified to discuss it, but the, you know, obviously the Ray Fisher allegations got fleshed out even further this week. Uh, it's, they know, are also a bad look. Yeah. Well, that's, that that's what I was, that was what I was implying. Um, and so you know I I I don't I don't but what I'm saying is I don't think Zack Snyder should be paint, painted as the bad guy here who made those movies not happen. Um and and uh, but but also equally Reese maybe there is something in that that you know if you do want to... maybe that was a side of the DC universe that you had no plans to do anything with before and now you're going oh well hang on maybe and also yeah, we're we're not going to make this New Gods movie in the next three years, so let's just park it. Mm. So, yeah, so the, the Trench and New Gods aren't happening. The The DC schedule is still kind of all over the place. Um, I kind of love the chaos, though. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's nice to have this one very set thing on one side <laughs> and this absolute carnage <laughs> on the other, because, they, you know... They, they still no like, like... carnage
3: is October, isn't it?
1: Yeah. <laughs> they asked. They asked Venom, "What do you want?" And he said, oh, let there be carnage, Eddie." See, <laughs> <laughs> so Yoda now. That. <laughs> <laughs> Venom, I am. <have. laughs> rewatch that movie, Reese. It's not far off. <laughs> okay, uh, so that was this week's extended comic movie and TV news segment. Uh, we will now move on to our main spoiler-filled, spoiler-filled discussion. <laughs> Of the 1966... (laughs) I wonder, is this the earliest movie we've ever done? It is the
3: earliest movie we've done,
1: but not Ah, the earliest movie we're going to do. Oh! Oh! (laughs) Teasers. Uh, So, we we are going to listen to the trailer for Batman 1966, and then we will will return with our spoiler-filled discussion.
4: Ready to pop the question?
0: Emergency, Batman speaking, warning all of you to brace yourselves for big news. The biggest. Tell them, Robin. Holy superlatives, Batman. It's really exciting. Soon, very soon, Batman and I will be battle-pulting right out of your TV sets and onto your theater screens. That's right, Robin. Our first full-length motion picture feature in color opens a whole new world of thrills. <laughs> The big screen gives us more space on land, sea, and in the air to challenge the most cataclysmic collection of super criminals ever. Their minimum objective must be the entire world. And here are the dastardly villains, the Catwoman. You're going to see the perfect crime when I get Batman in my claws. The Joker. Have you heard this one? It'll kill you, Batman. (laughs) The Penguin. There are two eggs this wily bird is going to scramble. Batman and Robin. (laughs) The Riddler. Question. Who's going to make the feathers fly and knock Batman and Robin out of the sky? See the new weapons in the Bat Arsenal combat the forces of evil. The Batcopter, the exploding man-eating shark. Holy oh. sardine! The relentless Megaton Magnet. The unholy Quartet secret submarine. Fire one! Fire one! <laughs> The Bat Boat, for an action. The deadly disintegrator. The attack on the Batcave. Cave. Holy hallucination! You'll blast through the skies on these mad, manned missiles. And you'll be with me, Robin, at the Bat Scanner, eavesdropping on Batman's Romance. And you'll shudder at the death-dealing Polaris missiles. Brace yourself, Robin. This could be the end. And that's just a sample of the exciting exploits ahead in our first feature motion picture. Holy memoranda, folks. Make a note not to miss it.
1: Good thinking, Robin. Okay, so that was the trailer for Batman the Movie, uh, which debuted in um, July 1966. And now that's that's notable uh, because the TV show, Batman, you know, the Batman television series, also debuted in 1966. Um, <laughs> that debuted back in January, though. Um, and just uh, if, if anyone is not aware because I I certainly wasn't the the kind of the history of the Batman TV show is this it's this phenomenon and I, I think you can kind of you can kind of track this happening with screen interpretations of Batman over the years of like new versions of Batman burning really really bright and then kind of flaming out very very quickly afterwards <laughs> Um you certainly have it with the start of the Burton franchise, and and the the way that that flamed out towards the end with Schumacher, and um, yeah. So, so Batman debuts in January nineteen sixty six on TV. The original intention for it from ABC, which was the network that aired it, was that it was going to be the movie was going to come first. That they were going to release a Batman movie, and that that was going to spin like it was almost going to be like an extended pilot that launched the TV show. Um, but the reason ABC were making Batman in the first place was they were in last place in the in the ratings and they needed a big hit and they tried to get Superman but the the there was a Broadway show in development for Superman at the time so <laughs> so, so they couldn't they couldn't uh-huh. get the rights for that um, someone else snapped up the rights for Green Hornet um, I think Dick Tracy was the other one that they looked at and basically like Batman was the one they were left with and they went. Ah, okay. Like this is the other. This is the other one of like the big four or five properties. Let's go with that. And their entire fall schedule that year had flamed out. Like everything was bad. The ratings were terrible for everything they debuted in the fall. So they decided to relaunch their entire schedule in the January. So went straight to TV with this rather than cinemas as they originally planned first season is like this extraordinary hit i was reading that the the first episode of batman um which was a, a you know a two-parter with a, um with a cliffhanger at the end of the first one as was the structure in the first series of the show um the first episode was watched by half of all tv viewers <laughs> in, the, in the u.s what? that night oh <gasps> Half of all TV u- wow. viewers, and when the when the cliffhanger second part aired the following night, that went up to wow. sixty <laughs> percent. So sixty percent of all American TV sets was tuned into Batman in that first series. Uh, so it was, you know, an an absolute phenomenon. Um, it was, um, you know, it 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 came. There was already a merchandising line out for it. You know, ABC had put everything behind it. It was one of the most expensive pilots they'd ever done. Um, And and basically, it brought this character into the mainstream. And we can talk about how comics fans and Batman comics fans reacted to that. Um, I, I think it's, you know, I think it's fair to say not kindly. Uh, but mainstream audiences had, you know, just fully embraced Batman. Uh, they made 30-something, 34 episodes, I think, in the first series of the show um, that, that aired in 1966. And then this movie then comes out in the summer of 66. Uh, weirdly, like, this is kind of like... Uh, within those six months, the show is already... Like, the, the Batman thing is already on the wane. Um... The movie took about three million um, in in box office, and that was kind of you know it was a hit because you know it, 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 the expectations weren't mammoth. It was a, it was essentially a feature length version of the TV show, right? It's not, it's not, it's not bigger. It's not like more extravaganza. It's just longer. Um, so it it was never expected that it was going to be you know, absolutely tearing things up, but it's still kind of performed soft. And then when the show came back for its second series, straight away they were looking at, right, well where can we where can we save money? Is there but is is there are there any budget savings that we can find here? Um, there is eventually a third season. That's when they bring in um, Batgirl, Yvonne Craig, coming in to play Batgirl. Um, and it, by the third series They were cutting, cutting corners With their budget all over the place um, I was reading that Basically whenever there was a villain's lair It was just a black backgrounded set So it was <laughs> just like very sparsely de- but Decorated sets um, Where they, they were basically Just doing things as cheap as they could And within three seasons The show was, was done and dusted The ratings weren't good enough to make A final series Or, or any more episodes But in that short amount of time, what they had managed to do was produce 120 episodes, um, which, you know, is just, just remarkable. 120 episodes of this show, which meant they had passed the amount of episodes needed for syndication. And that's why, generations later, so many of us are still familiar with this Batman TV series in a way that, you know, lots of... Lots of similar shows. You know, I was, I was reading today that the show had crossed over with the with the Green Hornet on a few occasions. <laughs> you know, that was a show that starred Bruce Lee. And I don't think any of us grew up watching reruns of the Green Hornet on TV, right? But when I was eight, nine years old... On a Saturday afternoon, I watched episodes of the 1966 Batman series on TV. So yeah. I was I'm very interested to hear from you guys what your relationship is with <laughs> with this property, with the show and, and the movie as well.
3: Yeah, I mean, mine's exactly the same, which is that I watched it when I was a kid. Like, I think it's probably more in the 80s, but it was still on TV. It was still being presented as like, here's your, here's your Batman. And I think actually the reason it got very prominent around that time was because you know with the with the Burton movie coming out they went well we're sitting on a whole pile of Batman here so let's get that out as well
1: yeah I wonder if it was kind of like it, it, it when it was reaching the end of its relevance in syndication that's when Batman becomes popular again and the, mm-hmm. the comics the comics take off in the 80s and then you get the Burton movies and in a way it just never went away yeah I Did mean you watch it as a kid Reese. Um, I don't think I did, actually, for whatever reason, even though,
2: so, you know, me and Joey, we're the same age. James is, you know, significantly, significantly older than me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding. But, um, I, yeah, I was watching this, watching the movie today and and feeling like I only had, uh, as a reference point to the show, you know, you know that sort of pop culture, what crossed over into pop culture ha- ha- versus having actually seen episodes of the show when I was a kid. I, I just, I don't have a memory of that. Um, for whatever reason i don't know why i I, I wonder whether maybe, maybe because i was unlike joey reading comics from quite a young age but reading marvel comics like maybe that was part of it that i then saw a batman show on a saturday afternoon and thought you know i'm that's that that's not my guy i've got i've got i'm, I'm reading spider-man over here maybe <laughs> you're know, watching but, the spider-man cartoon yes. uh,
3: spider-man yeah spider-man I'd, tv show so yeah i don't i'm not sure why
2: but yeah but this was a lot of this stuff was it wasn't new to me because, as you say, it's, it feels like it's 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 so in the pop culture, all these all this all this stuff. But I don't think I'd seen an episode before. I don't think
3: that is interesting. I See. mean, I I <sighs> definitely this would have been one of my earliest exposures to to superheroes. Yeah, like I would have been watching as well. this certainly before I was reading Marvel comics. Hmm. I think maybe this and the Incredible Hulk TV show, the TV movies, um, those hmm. things. They were definitely like my earliest kind of encounter with superheroes in any media.
1: So I'm fairly certain that my first exposure to the idea of Batman at all is my dad telling me a joke when I was probably like five, six years old. <laughs> um, and I, yeah, I can't remember it exactly, but it was something <laughs> along the lines of what does Robin say when he's hungry? And he says, dinner, 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 <laughs> dinner, 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 Batman. <laughs> See, <laughs> the, version, the version of that joke
3: <laughs> I know is... What does Batman's mum say when it's time, time yeah. for him to come and eat? Yeah. Which, as we know, is in extremely bad taste because Batman's parents yeah. are dead. <laughs>
1: that might be the, that might have been the version. I was, trying, I was trying to remember it, but I remember at the time being like, "Dad, I don't know who Batman is. Who's Batman? <laughs> why, why, why? Why does he want his dinner?" <laughs> why, why is she saying it so many times? Well, um, fair. the middle question was it was dinner. That's you know that you could that's relatable. Every, you know, yeah, and we all want our dinner. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I remember, and I remember then, uh, you know, being sat in front of the TV and this show coming on and hearing the theme tuner going, "Oh, Dad, it's the the, the thing from the, the dinner from show. The joke, <laughs> it's the dinner. Yeah, it's yeah, dinner. it's the dinner show." And I and I finally understood it. Um, and you know, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that you know I was hooked to it or I watched it religiously, but I did as a yeah, like probably between the ages of like six and ten, every so often see that Batman was on the TV and go, oh yeah, I'll watch. I'll I'll watch that for twenty minutes or I'll or, or oh and who's this? Who's this new villain? Oh, that's the Joker or that's yeah, that's Mister Freeze or that's. I don't know King Tut. I think yeah, King Tut. Yeah, <laughs>
3: yeah. Mr. Um, Freeze was in the show. I can't. I can't much He that, was. He was indeed.
1: Uh, played by some like really, really interesting actors. Ah, oh, I'm, I'm on the Wikipedia page. Mm-hmm. Give me a second. He was played by George Sanders in the first season, and then he was played by Otto Preminger, and Eli Wallach in what? season two. Wow. Like wow. What, I mean, all three of those. <laughs> Holy shit. That's <laughs> me. But that was another like the the show was it was this, you know, it was this huge pop culture phenomenon that movie actors wanted to come in and play a uh, play a, play a villain or do a or, or do a cameo and Yeah, if you look down the list you've got um Vincent Price played Egghead and wow. Cliff, Cliff Robertson played Shame. Just, um,
3: just Meredith being the penguin. Yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. So are saying
2: and is Baxter. this this is a show that wouldn't get the equivalent of the Josh Demel of the time. They could have <laughs> a lot better than that. I hate you, I hate you. <laughs> that is,
1: yeah. that's that's absolutely fair. Um and and yeah, so I I I grew up watching it and then I seem to remember when I was a little bit older it turning up on like itv3 or 4 or some some one of those free <laughs> freeview channels rediscovering it a little bit there um and then james it fair to say that kind of after having been like i think you know i liked it i think the other thing i would associate with it by the way after after referencing this show on our wandavision episode that in britain i think it's hard to think of the batman tv show without thinking of only fools and horses a little bit as well <laughs> yeah like Indeed. that that episode is so iconic. It might even be the same episode, but that that episode's so iconic, and that moment is so iconic with them running down the street and that music playing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's it's one of those pop culture touchstones that I think everyone you know, even if, even Reese, if you did, as, as you say, if you didn't grow up watching it, you're probably aware of Adam West and the campiness and bat repellent, shark repellent bat spray and on all of that kind of silliness
3: like the reason it turned up in only fours and horses is because it was so ubiquitous within Mm. as a pop Mm. cultural reference point like there's not a lot that turns up in that way
1: and it uh, it kind of reminds me a bit of um of star trek james yeah in that another show that kind of you know had this kind of you know three-year run in the 60s in fact i'm sure they were probably on at the same time Mm -hmm. um Sixty six to sixty nine was the original Star Trek. Yeah, so there we go. They did almost, almost perfectly overlap, and and that was a show that kind of got reclaimed by the by the movie series and by the passion of fans. I think the well, and the, again,
3: and found its audience in syndication.
1: Yes, but but I, I guess probably the the difference between Star Trek and <laughs>
3: Batman, Batman was big straight away. Yeah.
1: Well, no, is more that is more that Star Trek's fans loved it like those you know uh, you can you can draw lines between those fans and the fans today who are petitioning to restore the Snyderverse, right? <laughs> like
3: the fans who are trying to get discovery cancelled <laughs>
1: <laughs> but but you know you know like star trek had a nutty committed fan base who who you know petitioned to get a, a u.s space shuttle called the enterprise and 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 succeeded i've seen yeah. it <laughs> and cared and cared about that show enough that there was sufficient you know they thought there was sufficient interest out there to rekindle it mm-hmm. whereas batman was this huge broad pop culture phenomenon but batman fans hated it they hated it and like and and hated it's it not, it's not like dc fans
3: to not have a sense of humor is it mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> um i was also so i should i should cite this um I was reading, uh, or re-listening to Glenn Weldon's book on Batman, which uh, I listened to ages ago and I'm, I will cite the title of it before the end of this episode because I don't have it directly in front of me um but Glenn Weldon is called um, the Cape Crusader Batman and the rise of nerd culture it's fantastic mm-hmm. it's on uh, I would in fact I, I listen to the audiobook on audible and I would recommend any of our listeners pick it up he kind of tracks Batman from you know his creation in comics through to uh, you know just about the modern day. Um, and how it's always had this interesting relationship with with fandom and what people think is right and wrong about this character that has been interpreted in these vastly different ways over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was talking particularly about... The show kind of turns up at the, at the perfect time where you've suddenly got this, these kind of two stratas of fans. You've got the fans who are reading comics now who are like young comics readers who just yeah. all they care about is the comic they're picking up that week. And they might have watched the Batman TV show and gone, yeah, okay, that's fine. But then you had this other crowd who were almost like the the early comics historians, who were like, well, this co- this character is now 20 something years old, and I've I've been reading him since I was uh, since I was uh, ten or eleven, and I'm now thirty, and um, these are the things that you can and can't do with Batman and you, and Batman should be taken seriously and they were <laughs> right and and they were the they were the fans who were writing fanzines about Batman and were going to sci-fi con- conventions and and talking about Batman and really you know and treating this character with reverence you know the same way that we you know we, we still see echoes of today and it becomes this. The show becomes this, this like shameful artifact for core Batman fans at the time who are like, "You're taking the piss out of the thing that we love." <laughs> what is this? What is this campy monstrosity? Because, my I was struck watching. It. I think in my
2: memory, it was well, it, it. It's it's in hindsight it's campy and silly, but at the time it's. It's made as a quote unquote serious but low budget TV version of this character. However, watching the movie today and, and you know maybe I'm wrong, and what makes it this fascinatingly different adaptation from I can't think of another comics adaptation that is this, but it does it takes the source material which is I'm not saying that Batman is is or Batman especially in the in the 60s, the comic was a serious you know a grown up comic for adults, but I think it probably was taking itself on some level seriously. And the, the show or the movie that I've watched today is it is making fun of Batman. And and that's different, you know, that's if you think you know, all the different tones of things that we have, you know, we have now the MCU a bit lighter, Snyder a bit darker. I think across that spectrum that they are all those all those adaptations are on some level treating the the the, the, the characters sort of seriously with different you know and it's like oh well if you're if it's a guardians movie the characters make more jokes and if it's a snyder movie the characters don't make jokes whereas this is it is making fun of batman and and, and i can't think of another and it's just fascinating to think that that i i get it i get if you're sixty six and you like batman and you don't and you, you understand it's for kids it's a comic but you like batman and then this show comes out and and, and it's making fun of batman it, it, it is isn't it or have i read that i wrong? mean it uh, it's
3: tough right because it is it's making fun of batman but within the tradition of camp right so the whole point of camp is to like flip reverential stuff and and be flippant about it so in a way it's kind of inherent to the idea of making a sort of absurdist sitcom version of Batman Mm. that they are deliberately saying like here is a thing people respect and we're you know messing with it." it it's got that built in reverence in so we wouldn't be making fun of this if it wasn't good, right?
1: Mm-hmm. They So the, <laughs> the, sh- the show was created by a guy called uh, William Dozier and it was developed by a guy called... Well, they went on to do a lot of other stuff, but um, by Lorenzo Semple Jr. And they would adamantly say that, that the show wasn't a parody, it wasn't satire, that in fact what it was doing was it was taking Batman very seriously. Hmm. It was taking it was taking, basically, the TV format and going, right, well, how do we do Batman on TV? Huh. Well, what we've got in, in superhero comics of the time is this this kind of one-dimensional kind of storytelling. That it is Batman, who, yes, is a, is a hero... Who takes himself very seriously and goes out and fights crime against these kind of fantastical villains, and by the end of the by the end of the issue, he has most likely prevailed. So what they did was they were like, right, okay, so we'll take the convention of the year as comics, and we will we will do it with on TV, but in you know in the TV structure with an absolute poker face in terms of the in terms of the broad strokes of the episode so we will take this character of batman who is this guy who has an absolute belief in what he's doing he is unquestioning that what his that his crime fighting is the right thing to do he is moral to a fault and we'll do that we'll do that on tv with him and robin and when you do that and when you adapt it that kind of straightforwardly which is here's this character that takes himself very seriously who is kind of going out and 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 fight and and taking part in adventures that are fundamentally silly they would say we just took it and and kept it intact and put it onto tv and when you take that and put it intact and put it on TV it makes it seem silly and it makes it seem camp and once they realized what they had they dialed it all up but you know like ultimately when you look at it the show's not making fun of batman batman is batman is like you know it, it's just it's just the fact that when you take that idea of a character and <laughs> do it and do it in this structure he just seems like such a fucking square <laughs> um and and so it's 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 interesting that it's kind of like that that is that that this show is is what happened when someone tried to go right how do we just to begin with do a straightforward translation of this story with this character from one medium to another but yeah i think the result is that you know if you like batman already you're going well wait why are you taking the piss out of him and there's probably enough stuff in there that rings true to the comics that it feels like a piss take rather than just something that's wholly unconnected right and i'm sure that's why fans why fans at the time had a problem with it and i and i and i get it it's just so interesting right that this is something that has persisted with this character and that the I... way to the way to do him right is to be serious
3: well I and think the less
1: serious you get, the more wrong it is.
3: The thing is, like we've talked before about how when we watched the, the Burton Batman, we were like, Oh actually this is a lot camper than you remember. Like it's Yeah. Especially the Keaton film, it's just a lot it's a lot less you know, poker faced about Batman. It's got it's a lot more deliberately fun than you expect, and it's got a lot of nods to the to this T V show. Um, yeah. it's not until Nolan comes up and goes right I'm checking all that out and even then certainly Seb would have argued Dark Knight Rises had a lot of deliberate nods to the Batman 66 as well
1: I remember being stunned the first time that that Seb was uh, defending to me the end of the Dark Knight Rises because, <laughs> it, because it was a homage to Batman huh. 66 and I was like okay still bad though right mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> Um, but it's, it's interesting how that a show that, by, that Batman fans hated at the time, that was embraced by the mainstream and then kind of, it, you know, everyone eventually just did a collective shrug and it, and it disappeared, <laughs> that then stuck around in the, in the ether through syndication. Batman stayed relevant, so the show kept resurfacing and you know dc for decades and decades and decades basically you know disowned it it had it had nothing you know they were like this is this is yeah this is something that our fans don't like we want to co- we want to continue moving in a direction that's not this i mean Un- until finally in the last decade they start to kind of go yeah uh, okay um it's thing- inter- it's interesting isn't it that this still does have its fans because a lot of people have a lot of effects i mean one that.
3: of the one of the reasons right that dc would have spent 20 30 years going like
1: well we're not we're not going to touch F- that 50, one 50 years well <laughs> nearly
3: it's only like 2010 part of it.
1: that they that they go maybe we can do something with this
3: yeah i mean part of that is because the people who were annoyed with the tv show when it came out would have risen to positions within the company and they were all, yes. <laughs> you know, jazzed about the serious Batman film, Batman Returns, for example. Mm. Um, and these days, DC is being run by people who would have watched this as kids, sort of after the fact. Yeah. And so they can go back to it again. Like the the cultural impact of it has gained respects further down the line. <laughs>
1: And so in the, in the last decade, they've done a Batman 66 comic series, right?
3: Yeah, they did a comic series that was uh, written by Jeff Parker and drawn by a bunch of artists. I think uh, Mike Allred did a bunch of it.
1: And was um, well received, right?
3: yeah i read a read a load of it it was great it was uh it was really good fun they used to um whenever catwoman turned up she would be depicted as one of the three different catwoman <laughs> actresses just <laughs> sort of at, at random brilliant <laughs> for that storyline it would be like this week it's the Earth of kit <laughs> catwoman and other times <laughs> it would be you know Lee weather or whatever so yeah Julie. It was, yeah it was a fun little nod um, and they did the the follow up DVDs. Um. Yeah, so
1: they made Batman: Return of the Cape Crusaders in 2016, which mm-hmm. had Adam West and Burt Ward returning to voice their characters for the for the 50th anniversary of the show. Yeah. Um. In fact, so I'm just reading there that Julie Newmar was in that as well. Yeah. I haven't seen either of these. Um. And then they made a second one, which was called Batman vs Two Face. Yeah. And uh, William
3: that- Shatner was in. <laughs> Yeah, william <laughs>
1: william shatner voices two-face which is fantastic um adam west sadly passed before it was released um but uh interestingly like two-face was a character that they were never able to do in the tv series because i think it was probably
3: a <laughs> bit gruesome
1: for yeah yeah i'm sure they could have done a silly version of it but maybe maybe it wouldn't have been passed um but yeah, so they, they made that in 2017 as well. So it's... it's um, Yeah, pro- and, and as I said, and then Burt Ward had a cameo in Crisis on Infinite Earths, which um, you can watch that like 10 seconds on YouTube, and it's fun. He's wearing a bright hmm. red and yellow jumper hmm. that... <laughs> You're like, oh, a Robin. I have to say, speak- and- so
2: speaking of the two, you know, of, of Burt Ward and Adam West, Adam West in this I thought was incredible, was amazing. Mm-hmm. such a Such a charismatic... Just I was. I felt like I was hanging on his every word. You know, whatever, whatever he was, whatever he was doing, I, I was dialing into it hard. Well,
1: they're both. I they're both such specific performances, mm. and that's another reason that that this, yeah, that, that that the show has persisted. I think mm. is because it's so parodiable, because they such. It's such deliberate choices. Yes, um, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Kind of vulnerable that, in that way. You know, that's that's what they say about. You know that's it's hard when you're acting. It's hard to it's hard to go this big because it's because it's because it's easily mockable, right? If you're like, oh, I don't really, if yeah. you're James Deaning it, oh, who gives a shit? You know that's okay, fine. Whereas if you're like, no, I'm really making some choices here, then you can mock those choices.
1: But because uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a. Co- I mean, like, I haven't seen lots of network TV from the '60s, right? Mm-hmm. But I have seen the Star Trek uh, original series and. You know, just just thinking of a moment in this film where like, Robin is watching the right at the end of the movie where they're decided they're looking at whether they can rehydrate the members <laughs> of the World Security Council, <laughs> uh, and and Robin is kind of watching it like in the back, and he's kind of he's got his fist in his hand, and he's going, Urgh. and it, it's mm-hmm. that that's not something that Star Trek is a heightened show that has mm-hmm. silliness at times. Um, you know, I'm sure I had, uh, uh, in fact, you know, I'm pretty sure Lee Meriwether turns up in um, in Star Trek uh, on at least one occasion, and I'm sure they shared various different guest stars and actors, given that they're both kind of like genre TV shows of of the same time. Um, there's no one giving those kind mm-hmm. of performances, mm-hmm. and like Shatner is, I know Shatner is parodiable in in himself, but he's hammy. He's not making it that like. That just feels like it's Shatner doing his thing. Whereas for Adam West in this, it's such a deliberate performance. You can't like
2: Also they're in space. Like they're in space and it's the future, so it, that is already it's
1: that's very <laughs> different.
2: Whereas this is yeah, Gotham is kinda of New York and he's got a cape on, but hey, you know, it is more it is closer to our world. So the fact that that, that they are going bigger is is
1: is, 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 is something. His his line deliveries are just <laughs> something to behold yeah. aren't they? I mean like everyone knows the the like the pregnant pauses that he gives between stuff but like he also he also acts with his whole body because his face is covered up. You see you'd see this performances over the years with people who can't act with their eyebrows, you know, whatever They're, they they have to make <laughs> up for it elsewhere. He does a lot with his hands. He kind of like he he, he throws his body about and um yeah, he's great. I know. I've also got to say, like, we get an extended sequence of him, in, in, of him in this movie as Bruce Wayne. I think he might be my favorite Bruce Wayne. <laughs> Whoa, good, he? he is so very good, isn't he? He is very good. I don't think. Well, I, I don't think there are many Batman actors who are good as Bruce Wayne. The, that, Christian Bale. Right? That, Christ, Christian Bale. What? Well, Chris, right? Christian Bale has one. Like he. The, the scene where Christian Bale is good as Bruce Wayne is where he is uh, pretending to be the playboy version of Bruce Wayne in Batman Begins. Mm-hmm. The rest the rest of the time, he, there's not much of a distinction between him and Batman.
2: That's fair. He's not really
1: around characters
2: that don't know he's Batman all that much in those movies, really. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: And then uh, I think Keaton gives a good Bruce Wayne in that scene where he like goes psychotic in the in the room with the the Joker yeah in the party that's like I mean he's really great there but but otherwise he's fine I think um I just I loved Adam West's Bruce Wayne
3: (laughs) the thing the thing I like about Adam West's performance is that he's like he's playing it so straight and yet at the same time is. Comic ability is Mm. like off the scale. Mm. Like he he just knows exactly how long every pause should be and every gesture. Mm. Like he's just so funny consistently. It takes so much work to be to be that like humor free.
2: That bit in the middle, the bit in the middle where he keeps on thinking, he keeps on not realizing that Catwoman is is (laughs) Catwoman. (laughs) Like every time they went, and that scene happened again, and I just (laughs) go. That got me more and more. I was like, at some point, hold on, you're the world's greatest detective. Like, this is the gag kid that you're gonna, you, yeah, you know, yeah. this, you know, this is wrong. But
1: he doesn't. <laughs> kid, I, cut, I, kid, good Where are you, So fun. <laughs> That's 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 a better Adam lesson <laughs> I gave last week. Um, we should probably say what we what we thought about this movie in, in general because I, I, I'll admit, you know, it's uh, you know, it's a it's a. 55 year old movie it is basically a tv show stretched out to more than 100 minutes and <laughs> an
3: hour and 45 yeah
1: and and, and the plot an, is an hour and 45 it is minutes. too long though it, it, it is too, too long, long. By, it's by too hour. long yeah the plot is nonsense and it's a it's a lot of you know it's a lot of the same kind of shtick mm. over and over again padded out to so an hour 45 it
3: sort of it but... feels it feels like it was designed to be chopped up into you know four or five <laughs> episodes
4: because
3: yeah I, I love it right i just i don't want to watch
1: all of it at once yes i think that's fair if it um... had tapped
3: out an hour and 10 hour and 20 i'd have been a lot keener on yeah. it than i am and I've, as it was I, think... I was sitting there going like this this must be over soon. <laughs> I think that's it wasn't. kind of
1: what it what what it needed to be. But yeah. I'm imagining at the time they're probably thinking it needs to be longer than two hours of television. So yeah. it mm-hmm. it needs to surpass ninety minutes. Otherwise, people are just going to go. Well, why am I why am I heading to a theater to watch this? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I've got to say, like in in spite of that, this film's a hoot. Like it's it's so much fun. It's so silly. And you know, I don't think I am ever going to go back and you know watch episode after episode of the Batman TV series. I don't think I'm going to sit down and watch all 120 of those. Um, <laughs> Smash you know, cut to I... next week, guys. <laughs> if I've watched every guys, episode. I'm, si- of Batman I'm 60 in. <laughs> um, but I would, you know, I would kind of, I'd kind of. I'd, this is the perfect artifact for anyone out there who hasn't really watched much Batman before. Um, or kind of remembers watching bits of it as a, as a kid and wants to revisit i'd say yeah just go just go out and watch or re-watch this movie because yeah it's a little bit too long but it's it's self-contained and it's funny it's it's so funny you're, you're completely right the stuff the stuff in the middle <laughs> with like it, the sh- it, it just it it knows what it's doing at all times. Like there's a moment where Burgess Meredith walks on screen, <laughs> and he is playing this kind of, like he's pretending not to be Commodore What's his name? Something. Yeah, has got a funny name. Uh, Commodore Schmidlap. <laughs> so he walks. He walks and says, "Oh, hello, fellows. I'm Commodore Schmidlap." Quack, quack. And then ba- <laughs> And then Batman turns to Robin, and Robin's like, "He's like." <laughs> is this guy kidding and Batman like yes it's cl- it's clearly the penguin and you're like okay Batman knows it's the penguin but also we've, we're have we spending the entire movie of him not knowing that, yeah. ca- that Catwoman is disguising herself as yes. someone called Kit Kat and, and it's, in, in any particular scene you're like I don't know what the lay of the land is going to be here <laughs> until Batman and Robin deliberately lay it out to me because that, like, right, they will right. they will explain the level of joke at any time, mm. and like, there's a great running gag in this with the Riddler's riddles, which <laughs> I should say, a lot of this movie is water based. Uh, the 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 the, 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 the well, Let's let's if anyone hasn't seen this, the plot of the movie is Batman and Robin are hot on the heels of as it transpires. Penguin, Catwoman, Riddler and Joker. And I kind of would say in that order of importance. Yeah. Like, this is... Yes, it's a four... That's the kind of the appeal of the movie, right? It's like we've got four of the biggest villains all here at once. Really, it's it's Penguin and Catwoman and then uh, Cesar Romero and Frank Gorshin are, are kind of there in the background as <laughs> essentially lackeys in fun costumes. Um... But yeah, so they're they're on the they're on the trail of these guys because they're gonna do something evil, and Batman and Robin are on the trail of them and know that they're gonna do something evil because <laughs> Riddler keeps telling them.
2: <laughs> well, Riddler
1: Riddler keeps telling them, but they decode it at the start, so every everyone has probably heard of the the is aware of the opening sequence here where. Batman fights a shark.
2: So, but, but uh, I just, before that even happens, this bit I thought, oh, okay, what in hell is this movie going to be? Thirty seconds in, when they go, they go into Wayne Manor. or I guess it's Wayne Manor, and they pass this like old couple that are just on the on the grass. They just go in. Who are the, Who are those
3: people? One of the, one of them is Alfred, <laughs> and the other one is a character who was created for the TV show. Okay, fair
2: enough. Okay, who
3: fine. she was added? She's like uh, one of their aunts. I forget her name. Okay. okay but she's right. an aunt who was put in the TV show famously to make it clear that the characters were not gay
1: because <laughs> they were okay. living with a woman. Mm. Yeah. Okay. That's funny. <laughs> Um So yeah, they 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 get the they get a tip that Commodore Schmidlap is in danger. So they they go out on the batcopter to rescue him. This movie has the Batmobile, the batboat, and and the (laughs) batcopter. The
3: thing thing I like about that is they they go to Wayne Manor, they go into the Batcave, get changed, get in the (laughs) Batmobile. In the Batmobile, they drive to the airport where the batcopter is waiting
1: they do the same thing for the bat boat later in the episode. There's a, there's a full sequence in the Batmobile just to get to the bat boat. And, and you know, another thing that this movie retains from the series is that everything is labeled and everything is a bat something. And like, and, and, and to the be, point it, of
3: actual absurdity. Yes. Oh, yeah.
1: Like again, yeah. The, the, the movie knows what it's doing. Um, so, yeah, they they go off in the Batcopter. Batman descends the Bat Ladder. <laughs> Which has a little label at the bottom of the ladder, right? That says so bat, ladder. bat Ladder. Yeah. Great, great. Um, he lands on the yacht, but then the yacht disappears underneath him. And a shark jumps up and bites him <laughs> on the leg. So Batman is punching this rubber shark that's on his leg. And Robin presumably says, holy great white Batman, what do we do? <laughs> and then he's like, "Well, get the get the bat rep- the shark repellent bat spray," which he does, and Robin climbs down and hands it to him, and then he sprays the shark, which falls down into the water explodes. and explodes. <laughs> and they go back to, and I, I can't remember this exactly, but they go back to um, they meet Commissioner Gordon there's and a there's, a press, the, there's I, like a press
2: conference
1: with the Brit. There's a press conference where they get questioned about sure. what they did. Um, and there's also there's the Irish character James. I can't remember who's that. Uh... Chief Chief O'Hara. Chief O'Hara, of,
3: of course, yeah.
1: Sure. Yeah, and Chief O'Hara is a you know another character from the TV series. Um, and they're they're all discussing it together, and they're going well. So there was a shark, and um, and, and 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 then there was uh, there was a boat that disappeared, and what does that? And they just. They kind of decode it in the silliest possible way to go. Well, who would do something like that? It's, it's oh, no, one of the bad ones
2: that we were in. We were at C
1: C Catwoman. Like what? 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 Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's the level of deduction that they go through. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, as we said earlier, because West and Ward treat it so, because they play it so seriously. Like yes, of course, that is a normal thing to think <laughs> in this situation. That is how we solve crimes. Um, <laughs> It works and it's funny uh so yeah they they deduce that those are the four villains um and are kind of on their trail for this movie and then they they kind of need to figure out why the yacht disappeared um the villains are hiding on a submarine um which looks like a giant penguin it's got little flippers on the back that that go around like a bath toy can we also reference when in their lair they have like some
2: shelving on the back And it's sort of divided into clearly like oh they each have their own little shelf and then one of them is it's a sign and there's a there's loads of books and it's a sign that says private and it says riddles and there's another shelf that says private it says jokes and then the the last one just has like a fish tank in it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, Funny, funny, yeah. And so, (laughs) and so we we. You know we we've, we've mentioned a few of these already. Say Frank Gorshin is the Riddler, Burgess Meredith as the Penguin, Cesar Romero is the Joker, and then Lee Meriwether plays the Catwoman. Lee Meriwether had not played the Catwoman in the first series of Batman. Uh, that was Julie Newmar, um, but Julie Newmar couldn't couldn't film this. So rather than going let's well let's not do Catwoman, they just went ah oh, no we well we want Catwoman, so let's just recast her. So in this <laughs> in this episode that is a you know it's a let's bring together four of the most popular villains from the first season of our TV show one of them is, isn't even the one i've got to say i think lee is fantastic she's in she's amazing this. yeah yeah she's so much fun um, she is a
3: very attractive lady
1: um and and uh, the other person who thinks she's a very attractive lady is um is Adam Bruce Wayne. west well maybe Adam West as well, who knows (laughs) Um, (laughs) um, and we talked about that sequence in the middle of the movie so part of the villain's scheme is well we are going to have we're going to have Catwoman posing as posing as this Russian journalist called uh, Miss Kitka Um, (laughs) who has the
3: most long absurd name (laughs) yes, the full name is Kitka is an acronym for her full name
1: yeah, and, and, um, and Batman is like, oh, yes, very, very smart what you did there, <laughs> creating the <laughs> acronym. Um, and so, yeah, she's po- she's posing as Miss Kitka. Um, and then in the middle of the movie, they decide, the villains decide, oh, we should kidnap someone to lure out Batman. Except the person that they decide to kidnap is Bruce Wayne, <laughs> which that's going to be hijinks, isn't it? Because mm-hmm. we know that, that Bruce Wayne is Batman. So Bruce Wayne goes on a date with Miss Kitka is is very um, is very smitten, smitten with her
2: by the by the kitten, if you will.
1: Yes, <laughs> and um, it, you know I've said that I loved his Bruce Wayne already. Um, he felt very Roger Moore to me in this sequence as well. <laughs> mm. Like this is mm-hmm. uh, obviously this is this is coming out during you know Bond is already a huge phenomenon like three or four movies in uh but it's still sean connery um but like i I definitely got bond vibes from him here romancing the romancing the beautiful um the beautiful international bombshell opposite him and he has one line where he says oh i'd uh i'd love to develop some international relations (laughs) (laughs) I thought I bet you would, Bruce. Um <laughs> And what's what what's great here is that I thought that this Bruce Wayne just is a he is a tit. He's uh mm. he's he's a he's a rich Cad and even though he's Batman, during this date with Miss Kitka, he's like he's not think he's not thinking that he's there in any kind of Batman capacity. He's just thinking this woman is very, very beautiful, mm. and I would like to kiss. I would like to kiss her. <laughs> and I, I think that there's something,
2: you know. I think um, going back to previous conversations, a little bit, maybe a bit, baby in the bathwater thing, where any kind of sense of that of Bruce Wayne, or you know, Bruce Wayne sort of enjoying aspects of his life as Batman, have never, you know, we haven't really. I feel like been in any any adaptations post this, maybe rarely even in the comics, and I think. Sort of, I think there's, some, there's something in that angle, and it's, it's a shame that you, you know, you, you see, sort of, Batman as a comedy, and you have to throw away every, you know, not want to do that. You have to throw away every, all of those other little pieces of uh, other adaptations of smaller adaptations of that character.
1: And I think that's because, right? If you, if your, if your read of Batman is Batman is very serious, and to be Batman, he would have to be taking being Batman serious all of the time. Yeah, that's right. So Bruce Wayne is just a facade and this is who he really is. Mm. Whereas I kind of think that the the and I'm I'm hopeful that they do stuff with with Pattinson because I think Pattinson's the kind of actor who could sell this. That there is this kind of slightly schizophrenic aspect to Batman and Bruce Wayne that that yeah, he he could operate mm. as this billionaire playboy at the same time as going out and doing his doing his batmanning and 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 i like you know like i said that that one scene with keaton in the 89 batman gives you a sense of that that like he Mm. kind of has to be a little bit unhinged to like if you want to take batman seriously you probably have to you probably have to acknowledge that he, his brain doesn't function yeah, like a normal sure, person's.
4: Sure.
1: <laughs> and if he's the product of all that damage as well, which, you know, is something that we've learned into so much with mm. that character, um, then yeah, yeah. But this character
2: in this film that we're talking about, it, this, is not, this is not a damaged
1: guy, I don't think. No, this is just a guy that, like... Um, Puts on a costume and solves crimes, right? And has fun sort of. That's the thing, time. right? They yeah. they
3: don't like lean into the trauma of Batman in this. <laughs> no, no, there's no mention of his parents or no version of the origin. It's just he he dresses in a costume and he is a detective. Hmm. Yeah, and that's you know that's sort of what Batman was like early on was that he was a sort of pulp character. He like mm. he wasn't in a superhero tradition. He was in a in the tradition of like these. Pulp detectives, like Dick Tracy, hmm. for example. Um,
1: yeah, old the green on it, yeah.
3: Yeah, yeah. And it's it's interesting to see something produced that is kind of free of the subsequent interpretations of Batman as, like, this tortured, selfless hero and that take a different
1: approach. I think the, the, the only other thing that I can think... Has a degree of that with Bruce Wayne is the animated series that I can mm-hmm. think of, that 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 has a version of Bruce Wayne that you can imagine functioning. Yeah. But like, Affleck, Bale, yeah, even even Keaton and and that you know that franchise's versions of the Batman to, to an extent, you struggle Kilmer. to really think what 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 would they be doing on their off days. I
2: could see. <laughs> I could see Kilmer. I could see Kilmer as a person, just about as a human man.
1: <laughs> um, but the, I mean, the, the, the result here is what? What is Batman like in his off days? Well, he's, he's a, a shagger. Yeah, he's doing he's, he's doing what? What a rich, attractive guy in the sixties would be doing, which is going. Um, I'm gonna go on dates with beautiful women, mm. <laughs> and that's fine. And no matter there's, how there's so-
3: hammy their Russian accent is. Yes.
1: <laughs> um and there's there's some really fun um back and forth with Robin in the scene where Robin <laughs> Robin is kind of watching the date <laughs> unfold because they what <laughs> what they think is happening, and the reason Bruce is doing this in the first place anyway, is they think Miss Kitka is in danger from the villains. So that like Bruce is there supposedly because he's protecting her. Um except then the seduction starts to take place and Robin and Alfred Alfred who is sat in the Batmobile wearing <laughs> a mask behind his glasses <laughs> uh, um, they they're watching on on the on uh, what I can only presume is a back camera and uh, they t- <laughs> they turn it off because they're like oh this is a bit this is a bit of an. This is a bit of an invasion Alfred is of very
3: reluctant to turn it off as I as I remember. <laughs> Robin's like, we shouldn't be watching this, and Alfred's going, uh,
1: I, su- I suppose, I suppose we shouldn't be. And then even towards the end, Robin's like, I suppose we should just take a quick peek, just yeah. <laughs> to make sure what's going on. Um, and when they take a quick peek, they find out that um, lots of the, the the goons have turned up and. Bruce Wayne has been kidnapped. Um, he, st- he still thinks with Miss Kitka. There's uh, a wonderful moment in this scene with Lee Merriweather where she is kind of like watching on and she kind of goes like and gets her claws out as if yeah. she wants to get involved in a fight and then remembers, oh no, I'm supposed <laughs> to be Miss Kitka and stuff. Just earlier yeah. on,
3: my favourite bit with that character is one of the um, penguins guys says, oh, hi Catwoman. And she goes, I thought I told you never to use my real name. Yes! <laughs> It's beautiful. <laughs>
1: um, so the the villains their their actual plot in this movie is that they yeah they want to they want to they want to dehydrate the <laughs> the members the members of the world the United World Organa- Organization Security Council. So you know the UN um, and they test this out on some guinea pigs um who have jumpers that say gp1 gp2 gp3 gp4 and gp5 on them um they all get turned into grey dust and when they do get rehydrated inside the Bat cave they've been rehydrated with the wrong type of water so they immediately explode um there's this great,
2: I love there's this bit when they put them into dust in the first place and they're trying to put them back I think was like we put them back very carefully into the bags and then you just see Catwoman's, like sort of slightly <laughs> just, messily...
1: the dust <laughs> just flying off the side of the dust. And you're
2: band. like, Honor, to I understand this. These, these these if these people exist in this dust, it doesn't all have to go in the bag. <laughs> yeah.
1: It's yeah. Such silly fun. Um so yeah, so that's their plan, is that they're they're gonna do that. And and for like the first half of the movie is them going well it'll be difficult to do this if batman's on our trail so let's try and get rid of batman first so they they lure him out to water on a couple of occasions okay. there's one where they are stuck on a boy and uh they get magnetized to the boy and oh. then torpedoes are, fl- are fired at them <laughs> and there's like two or three elaborate escapes where they use like different stuff on the bat utility bell um to like disrupt the waves of the torpedo and make it avoid them but then it runs out of batteries. <laughs> and so the final one flies at them and the camera cuts away and we hear the explosion has hit. So we're like, oh God, are our heroes okay? And we cut away, <laughs> we cut to the villains and they're like, great, we killed them. And then we cut back and Batman and Robin are escaping on the Batboat. And <laughs> like, oh, thank God that porpoise threw itself in <laughs> In front of the in front of the, <laughs> the torpedo, like it was, so, it was so brave of it to sacrifice itself and give its life for ours. And you're like, what? <laughs> yeah. I, I just th- this movie kind of has something like that every two minutes. Mm. Where uh, there's just nothing like it, and I and I I don't think I remembered the show well enough to remember that that was the tone that the or or. or mm. Or real, I think it was kind of what you said earlier, Reese. like realise quite how much it was in on the joke. That's the thing
3: that I definitely, as a kid, I, I remember it being like absurd. I didn't realise at the time that it knew it was absurd. Like, yeah. I just thought this was what TV was like in the 60s, like just that it was nuts.
1: The show knows it's absurd, but no one in the show knows that it's absurd.
3: Yeah. There's
2: that sequence in the middle, the the bomb sequence when he's trying to get rid of the bomb. That I honestly think if oh, you slice that so out good. you just play you could just play that as a properly great comedy sketch, right? That you don't need the context of Batman, just the idea is he, he's he got a bomb, he wants to dispose of it, and
1: then he keeps on yeah. seemingly running yeah, the it's same, like a, it's is
3: the family of ducks. <laughs> yes, yes, the family runs, of ducks he's trying to he chuck it in the water.
1: It- he runs into a nun, and then and so they, they, they get the they get the bomb. The bomb surfaces to begin with in a bar, um, and
3: where <laughs> they're talking about like how Robin's all the like, people you should there just...
1: are drunks. No, yeah, like because 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 Batman is just this paragon of morality, right? Yeah, and 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 Robin's like and Robin's the same, and Robin's like, I can't believe you risked your life to save all those people in that bar, Batman. And and Batman's like, mm. Robin. They may be drinkers, <laughs> but they're also human beings. <laughs> what? <laughs> well, there's the good
3: punchline of the bomb bit where he goes, some days it's really hard to dispose of a bomb. <laughs> some some days you just can't get rid of a bomb <laughs> yeah, is what he said. Yes, can. so I remember bomb, yeah. when, I, when I saw Dark Knight Rises, mm-hmm. like I got home and all I could think was, some days you just can't get rid of a yeah, bomb. Yeah, yeah. And I was literally, yeah. I was on Twitter going, who has seen Dark Knight Rises at the preview? Because I need to need to say this to someone.
1: <laughs> Do you think that was intentional? Uh, it's so
3: hard to say. Like looking back at it, at the time, I thought it was just a really, a really like weird coincidence. But I don't know. Part part of me looks at this and goes, you know, there are nuclear missiles flying around in this movie. Mm. So maybe not. I don't know.
1: I think, uh, for the record, I think that the that sequence in the Dark Knight Rises is bad, regardless of whether or not it's a reference. It, yeah, or
3: not. yeah, it is. is It shouldn't be in the film, but also, the,
1: and it comes so soon after the Marianne Cotillard Death Croak. Yeah, yeah, um, but yeah, that that scene's so much fun, isn't it? He's he's running. There's like a nun, and then there's a children. There's a child in a pram, and then there's a marching band that he has to run around playing this and... weird
2: song. They keep like this i
1: thought that was a funny touch. they're playing uh, bringing pram.
3: bringing in the sheaves they're playing uh, okay sure
1: <laughs> and no one no one around him cares like the woman <laughs> in the pram is just like
3: hey and like <laughs> as a bomb it's oh like a giant cartoon <laughs> yeah. bomb it's n- it's not like a device it's like
1: yeah it's just... like a Lo- looney tunes <laughs> yeah thing. with like a
3: burning fuse yeah, <laughs>
1: yeah. And then it goes on for so long that he starts running back into the people from the start. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so he runs back into the woman with the pram. Uh, same, yeah, great sequence. Uh, uh, a lot of fun. Um, so that's when that's when um, Penguin posing as Commodore Schmidlap turns up, and they take him back to the gave Um and, and, and there are hijinks there, and um, and and then the. the the final section of the movie, which Reese you revealed to us off mic, you you, bet, you didn't watch the, like, the last twenty minutes. <laughs> right
2: out of time, I didn't see the last half an hour. I enjoyed my saw. The first hour and fifteen was great. I, uh, that is true. I didn't watch the last bit.
1: Um, well, you got to. Admit, this is this what is happens? the most. This is the most kind of like the least stuff happens in the in the longest amount of time. So there is the, a lot
3: of slapstick. A lot of yes. slapstick. It's good slapstick, but there's a lot of it.
1: The the villains uh, break into the Security Council. They dehydrate all of the nine Security Council members uh, and then escape with them. Uh, they make they are chased in the batboat and um, there's they they kind of uh, it results in a big fight on top of the submarine um, where we get all of our Biffs and boffs and Pows. Hmm that we've been that we've been waiting for apparently that was one of the big budget cuts this is like the, one of the last times you see the biffs boss and powers on screen because from from like season two onwards they're cutaways so mm-hmm. it's just like an like an animated title card almost yeah, saying yeah. saying pow rather than in the first series and in this movie you know there's a they punch appear, and, yeah and next to next to the guy's face you see pow you know like comic sound effects yeah that, feels, that, that feels pretty
3: cheap to
2: cut.
1: I mean, how how much could that really have could that really have cost? Them? Well, to, yeah, to, to <laughs> back then to to to, to yeah to, it on, to splice
3: on... it on frame by frame, yeah. probably quite yeah. a lot of effort.
1: Yeah, a lot a lot cheaper just to have cut away compared to have there, a little too.
3: reel. Yeah, where yeah, you just sure, cut in yeah. five frames of pow.
1: You convince me. Um, <laughs> so they had they have the fight on top of there. Um, There's a great bit where Catwoman throws her black cat at Batman and then he fights (laughs) for like two minutes with the black cat in his hand. (laughs) Uh, They all get thrown into the water and and out again. Um, Eventually Catwoman goes back into the submarine. She's chased down there and that's when Batman, her mask, she slips and her mask falls off and Batman sees her without a mask. And he just stares into the middle distance pensively for like a solid James ten fifteen seconds, yeah, yeah. while like some choral music plays behind some uh-huh. Russian music I think plays behind him as he realizes, yeah, as he realizes, and and Robin's like, ah, oh, sorry, are you okay? And he's like, yes, yes, these things happen in the line of duty. <laughs> And then, um, and then they see the vi- they find the vials of nine nine different dusts, and he's like, and Batman's like, okay, well, uh, thankfully, you know, they're, they're, they've been precariously like wobbling on and off the table throughout mm-hmm. this entire fight scene, and Batman's like, at least we got them, because who would have known what would have happened if they'd have smashed? Cut to. The the actual captain of the ship emerges Trips over, the vials smash And then he sneezes on top of them <laughs> And they fly in different directions um, So they take the vials of dust back to the Batcave And put them through the super molecular dust separator <laughs> That Batman of course has in the Batcave <laughs> uh, A very extended sequence <clears> of them <throat> doing this <clears throat> With like <throat> masks on and they... They manage to extract all of the dust. They go back to the Security Council, rehydrate everyone. and Using
3: the right kind of water, they're saying.
1: Using the right kind of super soft water rather than the hard water found in the Batcave. And the president is on the phone and he's invested and like uh, the press <laughs> are filming it. And, um, and then every, all of the Security Council members return and we're all like, oh, great. Um, except then they all start speaking in the wrong language. And it's mm-hmm. clear that they've somehow got mixed up. Mm-hmm. Um, but Batman and Robin don't care and kind of leave out the window anyway. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's like, the end. We, they're like, <laughs> yeah. we should, that we should sneak
3: off and they <laughs> climb out the window. <laughs> that's, funny. that's funny. I mean, the, impl- the implication is that everyone speaking other languages will actually lead to some form yes. of mm, uh, yeah. cultural unity.
1: I think um, what, what does he say uh, that this strange mixing of minds may do more good than harm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and yeah, and that's the end. Um, just supremely silly, so, so much fun. Um, and you know, while while I'm not going to go back and watch all 120 episodes, I did. You know, I did spend some time on YouTube after this mm. movie watching watching clips from different episodes. I was watching. I was watching versions of the different Cat Women and watching that had some different. Ver- in fact, um, the guy. So the the reason I was talking about Star Trek guest stars. The guy who plays Harry Mudd in Star Trek was was doing a guest villain spot on um, on Batman that I watched on YouTube and um, yeah, I watched the Green Hornet cameos as well. There's a there's a video <laughs> there's a video of all the Bruce Lee see- Bruce Lee scenes that I watched. <laughs> that was fun. Um, yeah, I just I just had a hoot with this movie I, we didn't mention the moment where the they're they're, they're, there's a chase in the back and they realize that oh they've that they've been foiled and they and the back needs to crash and they crash down on top of um just to make sure I'm reading this correctly a foam rubber wholesaler's convention <laughs> <laughs> and the back uh, 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 lands in a pile of foam rubber so they're okay <laughs> There's, another joke, um, there's
2: a joke I really like early that we skipped where, you know, he's, they've re- realised it's the four villains and then the commissioner's like, what do you think they want to do? Take over Gotham? And he's like, uh, with with two of them, yes. Oh, what do you think? Take over America? Perhaps with three. <laughs> what about with all four? <laughs> take over the whole world. That was funny. Adam, I, yeah. I didn't really, Adam West's delivery of that whole chunk is really, really funny.
1: <laughs> yeah. Good jokes. Um, yeah. I, I, I And I should... You know, to reiterate, I don't think that this movie is like a masterpiece. I don't think it is like the, you know, the the movie that should be showing up at the top of everyone's greatest Batman movie rankings. Because it is, you know, it's an extended episode of a TV show that that sometimes feels like it drags and is just is just, you know, it it strikes the same tone start to finish and. Sometimes it becomes a bit much, but then they'll land another gag that you're like, "Okay, yeah, that's great." That's, that's really the thing. Fun.
3: It's like it's more of a pantomime, isn't it? Like it's just uh, yeah. It doesn't. It doesn't feel like it's illuminating. You know the human condition or the characters of Batman or anything, but it is fun. Like yeah, that's the thing. It's going I, I mean, for It's it like how can we Lego make this Batman funny? As and it does that. that. I think
2: it's better. I think it's a better, very well. It's a bit. It's a funnier movie. Um, and it's a. Uh... It's maybe a more it's more a more interesting Batman movie as well than the Lego Batman film, so I think it's, you know, yeah, I... n- now now in 2021 versus 1966, there are, there are, there it's not a ton of it, but there is more, com- really mm-hmm. purely comedic superhero content mm-hmm. that's out there, and I think weirdly perhaps it, it it does it plays a bit better now when there's you know. There's, I mean the so thing the thing it the the reminded
3: me most of actually is the Teen Titans Go,
2: cartoon mm. series
3: which has the same kind of breakneck pace Mm. and absolute absurdity at its Mm. core. Mm. Like, it does it, it executes it better by virtue of having had, you know, 50 50 plus years to refine the televisual approach to that. Mm. But it's surprisingly similar. Especially also in how it pissed off the fans of Teen Titans, who don't recognise that Teen Titans Go is amazing.
1: James, is there? Because a... I kind of feel like you know, for for me, this is an interpretation of Batman that works.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: Like when we talk about getting Batman wrong, can you can you get Batman? Can you get Batman fundamentally wrong? Like I know we talked about guns and killing, guns and killing. But is it is it more the case that over the years now there've been so many different interpretations of Batman? but there's no interpretation that's fundamentally wrong in its conception it's just it's just you know whether you end up doing a good job of it and conv- and you know selling that version that version of batman within the story that you're telling
3: i think i think it is true that you can stick almost any interpretation of bat of your character onto someone like batman because you know the character is iconic so if he's dressing up like a bat and fighting crime he is Batman and anything mm-hmm. else is just window dressing
1: I un- I understand why so many people strongly believe that Batman shouldn't kill yeah but it doesn't it, it that's it, it that's never bothered me the same way that it's bothered me seeing Superman kill
3: well example. okay so what I would say is if you define Batman as a character who has been created by by the trauma of his parents being murdered, mm-hmm. it then feels like a poor choice to have that character go and murder other people. Um, and what I think is, you can absolutely do a Batman a who poor, kills a people.
1: Poor, yeah, a poor choice if you want him to be. Yeah, if you if you want purely heroic.
3: Yeah, if you want people. Well, if you want people to buy into the idea that this trauma is the most important thing in Batman's past, and that he is a hero then you can't have it both ways. Like it's totally possible to do a version of Batman who kills people. If you're taking the view as I believe they did in maybe the forties that, you know, his primary thing is he fights crime and he stops crime by any means necessary. Mm -hmm. Like there are, there are tons of part of Batman stories where he uses guns totally unironically. Um, and it's quite How? a late addition to the character that actually he doesn't like guns because they killed his parents. Like that's yeah. we're talking last twenty, thirty years that that really landed as a, a key part of the character.
1: I don't know whether it's just my British sensibilities, but I just I, I constantly find the idea of it's particularly superpowered characters, but any superheroes holding a gun, I kind of think like, nah. Yeah, well,
3: any any heroic character with a gun, like. We talked about that bit in the in Captain America and the Falcon where John Walker pulls a gun and you're like, wait, what the fuck? Captain America doesn't shoot guns, not now.
1: No, but not outside know, like, of a I, war. I can buy like I like I can buy like John McClane or yeah. John Wick or any other Johns uh, carrying guns <laughs> and shooting people and killing people and that's fine. And I can. Well, you know, it's
3: because can... superheroes are supposed to be better.
1: Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah. and so. The, the very idea of Batman with a gun, I don't like. But also, I could see an interpretation of a character who's like, you know, I was shaped, I was shaped by death, and now I, you know, now I bring death upon other people. <laughs> yeah, like the more pu- the Punisher, right? The Punisher, yeah, right?
3: yeah, quite, absolutely. Yeah. And you, yeah, you could do a version of the Punisher of Batman who was more like the Punisher. It would be hard to treat him as like a hero, but. It absolutely could happen. The thing yeah. like I say, the thing where the thing where you say that interpretation is wrong is when they don't reflect their own rules. So like to use a specific example and say Zack Snyder, like Snyder's Batman as as we have seen, is shaped by this trauma of his life and like lives within the sort of grim after effects of seeing his parents murdered in front of him. But he's also the, the guy who's trying to unite the Justice League because he believes in unity.
4: Mm.
3: And to see that guy stepping out and, you know, strapping on his Gatling guns, I feel like there's a storytelling dissonance there that, that makes it a bad take for me. It's not to say... Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. there's oh. no version of Batman who can use guns. Mm-hmm. It's just that if you're going to use them, you have to justify it.
1: I, I just think Batman's such a a fascinating character because he has this take this this
3: flexibility.
1: Well, this 1966 version being part of his history, and then and mm-hmm. then having the various versions throughout the years, and and you know in the 90s veering back into high camp again. Yeah, there's there's something interesting in the the Glenn Weldon book that I cited earlier. Um, talks a lot about. Uh, the bat franchise and camp and um you know and it's you know it's it's a book that's also it's not just tracking batman it is tracking nerd culture at mm-hmm. large um but there's something particularly about batman and um uh, you know like potentially as well like an inherent homophobia that that reacts mm. like like you were talking about how this version of batman needed something in there just to make sure yeah needed aunt dead. harriet there yeah and you know the the facts that Batman and Robin became such a punchline, and like one of the things that that became like this this the symbol of what what was wrong with it was the nipples, right? Mm-hmm. And and uh, you know I, I I'm not certainly not as qualified as as Glenn Weldon in that book to to go into it, but I just think there's there's something really interesting away about the the way that this character has. Has veered between different tones, and what necessarily a broad audience enjoys about Batman, compared to what its ardent fan base demands is or isn't right about the character. And you know, we were talking before. You know, I think we've we've since Batman Begins in two thousand and five. Sixteen years now. Um, on in terms of Batman adaptations, I yeah, I don't know the comics well enough, but it feels like we've been in a we've we've spent sixteen years going. This is a character who must be taken seriously, who is dark and brooding, and that is his thing. Mm-hmm. Um, the 60s and the 90s were our last two, you know, explorations of a more camp Batman, uh, a more flamboyant and fun Batman, and maybe the 2020s would be a good time to do that. And, <laughs> and and honestly, put a Batman in the in the Arrowverse. Do it. Do it. And let's let's explore a different version of that character. They probably the closest... Yeah, you're right. The closest we've got more recently is Lego Batman. Because even in, even in Teen Titans, the Batman version, the joke is that he is he's the dark brooding version.
3: Well, well... <laughs> in, oh, it was in the movie. In the TV series, like Batman's appearances, the the joke is that Batman and Commissioner Gordon are always silent. But what they do do is have sleepos, sleepovers with each other and... <laughs> spend a lot of time giggling and dress (laughs) like dressing up in their pajamas and and watching movies together.
1: I've got that entirely wrong then. (laughs) Yeah.
3: Like it's again, it's a very like camp version of Batman who appears in the, the teen Titans TV series, like in the movie. Yeah. They lean into the broodingness and they, they kind of, they, they make him darker as a sort of foil for Robin. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, Justice, within the rest Justice of the team, show. for Robin show.
1: as well, right? Justice for Robin.
3: Yeah, right? He's that's, great that's in this also, movie.
1: Right, they were saying like that, you know, one of the big reactions in the comics coming away from this series when... when Yeah,
3: was get rid of Robin. Was get,
1: yeah, get rid of the kid. Yeah. And then, and then in the 80s when Batman was getting dark again, it was kill the kid.
3: Kill the kid, yeah.
1: And then in the 90s when the show, when the movies became too camp, it was Christopher Nolan going, I will never do Robin. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I'd like I'd like to see a Robin. I'd like to see a Robin again in one of these in one of these versions. And I hope, you know, who knows what the Matt Reeves movie is going to be. It seems like on the face of it that what that movie is going for is we're still doing Dark Brooding Batman, but for the first time he's gonna be full on detective.
3: Yeah. I mean the thing I always say is that the the Nolan films in sort of extending Batman to his you know logical conclusion try to prove you can do batman without robin and end up proving why you have to have robin Mm. because he ends those movies by going like i i have to walk away from all this or i will die because i have nothing to live for and that's what robin provides in you know the more broody version of batman like in this one he's just his you know almost as cheerleader (laughs) His foil, he's the guy to shout out things that the audience needs to know.
1: I should point out, I think Adam West is the broody version of Batman. I think that <laughs> that Christian Bale was the brooding. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, but again, I think I think this movie shows how Robin can exist on the screen, have the same status as Batman broadly, and you know, not not completely ruin the idea of the, you know, the caped crusaders or the dynamic duo
1: and the animated series does that well as well. Yeah, quite. Yeah. Any final thoughts guys, before we
3: move on? Let me have a look at my notes. See, <laughs> um,
2: uh, I'm glad
3: I watched it. I, f- I feel like it was a,
2: you know, it's a real artifact. Um, <laughs> uh, it's It's, I think it's hard to, it's hard to watch today. Like uh, hard to watch th- at the moment in 2021 uh if you haven't seen the TV show but you're aware of its pop cultural thing it's it's, it's sort of it's hard to divorce it from everything you already know about it but um mm-hmm. but it was it was really funny i had a really I've been watching a lot of old simpsons episodes recently and i just had, sometimes it reminded it had it reminded me of that that the, the the joke rate the hit rate of the mm. jokes um also i think one thing we haven't touched on that i thought constantly was the i just thought it looked fascinating i love the you know, a lot of the costume design and production design is really ah, uh, it's beautiful, it's isn't really, it? It's really, really, so really amazing, bold and yeah. bright. Yes, properly yeah. sort of. I, and again, I, it's hard to
3: like you, Joe. I don't. It's got it's got this almost like psychedelic feel. Yeah, like yeah. it leans mm. into this like sixties yeah. just excess of everything is bright and there's so much mm. of it on the screen all the time and the sets are nuts. Mm. Like it, it has this like pop art aesthetic mm. that you don't really mm. get in. I mean I feel like that's sort of the thing that's missing from things like Agents of Shield and the the you know Arrowverse which is that it doesn't look fun more often than not when it looks is dark like people are just standing around in warehouses at night and you're like oh, maybe this could be a
1: bit you know there could be more going on <laughs> So that was Batman 1966 uh James do you have any comic book recommendations based on this movie yeah yeah
3: so um so based off this then the natural place to go is the batman 66 comic book series which i mentioned earlier um Mm. it was a digital first series from uh 2013 to 2016 um there are printed collections as well but it had a had a fairly good run it got like um uh, there were like 30 issues and they did crossovers with green hornet and man from uncle and the that's a
1: that's a good length of comic
3: yeah yeah and the the 1977 wonder woman comic series they made mm. so there's a whole bunch of really good stuff mm. uh there's an archie crossover which i didn't know existed until today that i'm going to go and read Have fun um so that would be a you know a great place to to go and look for more because it's more of this take of batman um, done by people who who know the comics of the era and will lean into that stuff. Um actually the other thing that this reminded me of is um when Grant Morrison was writing Dick Grayson as Batman. So in that version of Batman and Robin, it's um What <laughs> Reese. Mm. What's Batman's kids call kid called? Damian Wayne? Damian Wayne, God, it just went straight out of my brain. Um, they have they have Dick Grayson as Batman and Damian as Robin, and the joke there is that Batman is sort of the light hearted one and Robin is kind of the the grim faced dutiful one, and that dynamic reminded me a lot more of the the Batman sixty six show. Um, So I would say if you like the idea of that, um, go and go and pick up Grant Morrison's run where Dick Grayson is Batman, because that's that's really good fun as well. And it's sort of different take on Batman that, again, we haven't really had a lot of lately, which is uh, a light and uh, fun loving Batman.
1: Sounds delightful, James. Um, (laughs) I I can definitely get on with that. Um, so we'll move on now to our final section which is the pitch Uh, this is the point where we would bring in producer Reese. so Mm -hmm. Reese, I'm going to need you to remove your guest hat (laughs) put on your producer hat and uh, give us a little pitchy pitch okay Um,
2: another uh, just good and nice and clean one this week which is sort of like you you know the, the Soviet Lord of the Rings just got unearthed as you guys read about this crazy story no, no okay so <laughs> uh, they found this this soviet from the 60s version of uh, adaptation of lord of the rings uh recently and it's Matt. so the question is so uh, you know another 1966 kind of um adaptation movie adaptation of a of a superhero from the time has been unearthed um which in, in a batman 66 style uh what who would you like to see in that
3: Oh, that's Joey... a good one, James. You go first because you spoke first. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, mm. uh, I just I've got to go with the '60s X-Men because I would mm. love to, I would love to see the sort of wackier Lee and Kirby X-Men done in because you know those they were basically school kids, right? And there was a lot of soap opera drama. and Their powers mm. were all weird, and you know, it really the '60s stuff kind of lean into the like freaky X-Men idea mm. um you know pre wolverine pre when they got all murdery and stabby as much mm. as i love mm-hmm. that stuff <laughs> i just want to see a 60s version of the original five extra x-men with their patriarch uh, professor x mm. and you know lots of psychedelic imagery within that mm-hmm. okay bold colors Fun. mad effects that's what i want to see sure sure
1: joseph okay so i'm gonna go uh with fantastic four Uh, Mm -hmm. because that's one of the few comic book properties that I am confident was around in the 60s (laughs) that they they could have actually made a version of it. Um, Also, as I've cited already, one of the few uh, TV shows I have seen and enjoyed from the 60s is Star Trek. And Mm. I would love to see, like, a a space-age, futuristic, forward-thinking, Fantastic Four adaptation Mm. with fun, like fun villains like the Batman um, show has, like I'd love to see that. Is it the Mole Man? Is that the villain in the The first Fantastic Four? Make it it direct, (laughs) you know, direct adaptation of those original run of stories and um, but I just you could have a good moment. I can see it. He, works. Yeah, and, you, he yeah. and you could you could bring in that you could have brought in all of the characters in the time, like the Inhumans and Black Panther, as you start going through no, it. as no. well oh, no. it, could have, <laughs> it could have run. It could it could have run for twenty years, and it would be the greatest. So it would have been the sixties, seventies, and eighties version <laughs> of the Fantastic Four. <laughs>
2: uh yes i think that 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 will take the prize this week joe and not just because i've given james the win for the last two episodes That's a legitimate win chalk it up that's your first w in the
1: uh, so that was this week's pitch which i won apparently um if you're enjoying this episode you might have heard that we've got a patreon um so you should head over to patreon.com forward slash cinematic universe uh, if you subscribe to us at $3 a month, you will get access to a weekly exclusive bonus episode. So at the moment, we are doing an episode on Falcon and the Winter Soldier each week. Um, once that's finished, we've 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 got some really fun stuff that we'll be announcing shortly that will be taking place in the gap between um, Falcon and the Winter Soldier and Loki. And then once Loki gets going, we'll be covering that week to week on the Patreon as well. So $3 a month, if you're enjoying this main show you'll uh, I almost guarantee you will enjoy those patreon episodes as well um if you are enjoying this show as well then please head to your podcast app of choice and subscribe leave us a nice rating or review over on apple podcasts because apparently that is a good thing that you can do um, if you want to get in touch with us uh you can do so on twitter at cine underscore verse i'm at joe Kinney on 14 james is at james hunt uh you can email us at podcast at cinematicuniverse.com um and you know get in touch with us let us know what you thought about batman 66 uh let us know what you uh, are excited to hear us talk about on the next episode which of course if you stick around until after the credits you'll find out what we're covering there uh, so um we will be back in two weeks with that next episode thanks for listening and we'll see you next time goodbye bye This is me taking control from Sloan, from the fraternity, from Janice, from billing reports, from ergonomic keyboards, from cheating girlfriends and sack of shit best friends. This is me taking back control of my life. What the fuck have you done lately? Cinematic Universe returns in two weeks time with the adaptations of Mark Miller.